cul-de-sac contemplating murder. Swerving with my circus, looking for a purpose. Still the clean record, hope got Welcome back, canteeners, to Culper's Canteen Cup. It's the full C3 this week, man. We're really happy that Roger's back. I uh, don't know what exactly he was doing, but he's back, and he's raring to go for episode 94. And we did, well, I did, zero show prep, and I have a feeling that that Josh and Roger might have, might have, you know, maybe come up with something between the two of them and uh, maybe going to ambush me this episode. <laughs> So Roger is already, I told you, he's rare to go. He's, 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 he's strong out the gate. He's raising his hand. So Roger, what do you got for us? Episode 94? Well, it's good to be back, you guys. Kick-ass episode last time. Um, real quick uh, shout out to uh, one of my Xbox buddies, Spence. Uh, he's got some medical issues that he's going through. So he's uh, laying up in a hospital bed here for about the next month or so playing some Xbox and, and hopefully catching up on some Culper's Canteen Cup. So that uh, I think we've got enough content out there now. Uh, it, it might actually make you suicidal, so maybe don't listen to a bunch of episodes back to back. But uh, you know, at least get you uh, you know maybe halfway up to date. So all three of us, well, two and a half, were were CI guys in in the military for the majority of our careers, and and Luke continues down that road doing some stuff on the uh, wow man. So you know, I live in Arizona, and dude, it is nuts out here right now. It is like a tropical storm coming through Hawaii. Stuff's blowing sideways. But anyway, so we're CI guys, right? Dude, you have no idea how bad we are at our jobs. You have no clue how bad we are at our profession. None whatsoever. Uh, so I'll, I, I just, I just, I, I, you know, I tell you, you're not going to believe this. It's, it's breaking news. It's not really breaking news. It's breaking news to me, and you guys are going to flip out too. I know both of you are. And I just found this out like two, maybe two hours ago from my neighbor Steve, which I think both of you have met. Um, so one of the two of you, I don't care which one. Uh, give us uh, a thirty-second, uh, you know, history on Ray Epps, and, and, and this it. is kind of funny. This is kind of funny because of the picture, and you know, we did the whole, uh, you know, thing with Luke. So this all ties in. Go ahead. Clearly, clearly, this calls for a CI technician. So we're gonna. I'm gonna pass it to Josh. I, I relinquish. <laughs> oh Lord! So Ray Epps was the guy on January sixth that was going around. He was dressed. He was dressed like when you know Luke goes to work every day. He's got some like you know some five elevens on and like you know this uh, this tactical polo and you know this uh, this Make America Great Again hat. And he's walking around and you, there's multiple videos of him and he is just you know he's egging people to go to the Capitol. He's egging people to go to the Capitol. Egging people to go to the Capitol. Well, it's crazy because he's a clear agitator. You know, in in the January sixth event, yeah, he has not been called to testify. No, and it, the mere mention of his name, it was like you know mentioning Eric C or Mella, um, you know, during the uh, during the Venman, you know, uh, Ukrainian phone call impeachment with Trump. Like every time you mention his name, you could just see buttholes, uh, you know, pucker and, and Democrats just kind of <laughs> tighten up a little bit. So. This is this is incredible. It's going to blow your minds. It blew my mind. And I still can't believe this. I'm, <laughs> like we're the biggest. We're the three biggest morons like on the face of the planet. So I, I don't think I took uh, Josh out there. But Luke, you remember the farms like right next door to my house? Yes. Ray Epps lives back there. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, he was up in Colorado when New York Times did their little puff piece on him. So, so he, he, how did, okay, so tell us, how'd you, how'd you find that out? So, my buddy, uh, my buddy Steve and, and his family, and they're all very well connected around here. I've <laughs> been here for, you know, <laughs> since the town didn't even have a stoplight. And uh, he texted me out of the blue. He's like, you know, Ray Ups. I said, well, you know, I said, I don't know him, but yeah, Ray Ups. He goes, 
you know he lives in the mini farms. I'm like, get the fuck out of here, man. No way. Like, like that Ray Epps. And he goes, yeah. He goes, he was talking to, you know, his, his um, a significant other's mom and, and whatever. And, and, and I know the place because I, I run by it. Well, back when I used to run. Okay. So I drive my golf cart by it, but, uh, he used to host weddings and stuff back there. But, uh, I was like, that's the place he's like, yeah, man. He goes, he, he lived there. And, and when I Google him, it's like, yeah, he's a queen Creek dude. And they're like, yeah, he went to, you know, January 6th. And then, uh, he was a boy scout leader for my neighbors to the left of us, the Canadians that, you know, he was like their boy scout leader. I'm like, are you out of your mind? So apparently, uh, it got so bad around here, which I didn't notice cause it's literally like a couple hundred yards away, but, uh, it got so bad for him that he ended up selling it for like some ridiculously low price and then went up to like Colorado or whatever. And then as now once, once everything kind of dies down, he's looking at buying the land back and coming back. So I don't know if he like, Hey, here, you hold this for me for a couple years and let me, uh, pop smoke and then come back. But dude, I was like, Seriously, like that dude lives right around the corner, and we missed it. We all missed it. Not even a clue. And you know, of all the articles we read, because remember we did an episode on it, and we read, you know, I was reading about Ray Epps and this and that. And it's uh, at first we didn't go real in depth, but like none of that stuff comes up. And then when I Google him with his name, it's like, oh yeah, he's a Queen Creek dude, lives on Superstition Avenue. I'm like, yeah, that's that's like right there, dude. How bad is, is that, that? Is that <laughs> trained observer? So. Is that near where the lady who posts all the like anti-Semitic? Uh, so stuff? he's actually a little bit closer than that. He is one street before. Yeah, it, it's literally right there. <laughs> is that like by where all the llamas and stuff are? And so before you get to that, if you that that road before that, if you take a left, it's like two houses down on the right. So, but he doesn't live there anymore. No, but he's going to be coming back. Oh, see, look at that emergency <laughs> alert. That's Ray Epps hitting me up. <laughs> then FBI is already on Roger's ass. Tell him oh, where yeah, Ray Epps no lives. Yeah, no, they're, they're like, hold on. You, somebody said Ray Epps, dude. They automatic, dude. They done. They done vectored okay. in on you. Done. Okay, so Josh, so what's in your mind? Uh, put on your uh, your hat and your best guess hat, okay? And tell us what do you think the deal with Ray Epps actually is, or tell the audience. I think we're on the same. I'll I'll put on my Lucanon cap if you don't uh, if you don't give me the proper answer to the audience. <laughs> I think Ray Epps a Ray Epps is either a Fed or Ray Epps is you know an asset uh, for the Feds, and he was intentionally placed there in January six to agitate folks to the Capitol. He was intentionally because he's even out there that he's even shown the night of January fifth out on the street. Talking about how they're going to, you know, go to the Capitol and make their voice heard, you know, the next day. He, that guy was intentionally placed there um, to, uh, you know, to get the, for what purpose? To, to do exactly what happened, to make happen exactly what happened, because that's what they wanted. Um, So you think the federal, federal government, uh, or at least elements within the federal government wanted that to happen? I, I don't disagree. With you. I'm just a hundred percent. Why? I, I'm I'm asking you. I'm because I'm not picking your to brain. Make, it's just like well, for two reasons: one, to make Trump look bad, and then two, so they would have something that they could go off of to keep him from running again in a future election. That's it. That was up because nothing else they did, nothing else they had, you know, stuck. 
you know, we all remember every four years, it was, you know, first it was the, you know, the, the, the Russia thing and then the Ukraine call and then you know, everything, but it was always like, you know, people are like, Oh, the walls are closing in. The walls are closing in. We got them this time and they couldn't do anything. And so they, they saw that, okay, there's going to be this big, you know, thing on January the 6th on the mall. That's our opportunity. If we can instigate that crowd and agitate that crowd and place a number of individuals in that crowd because Ray, you know, Ray Epps hadn't been, you know, prop- he, he has not been positively identified as a, you know, as a federal agent. But even during some of the testimony has come out, there were federal agents in the crowd. Now, yeah. I mean, so, you know, so I don't think he was a federal somebody. agent. I mean, now knowing like where the I, guy lives, I mean, he wasn't an agent. I guess my question would be, do you think he, because I think he was one of these two and, and I'm not sure yet which is which. Um, do you think he was actually an asset or do you think he was just a source? And I say that because there's a difference, right? Uh, because if he's a source, then he's just somebody that you're looking at to provide some information who's got some inside knowledge. And so he goes out there and he just does what he was going to do anyway, right? As opposed to the other way where, okay, well, you know, kind of going along with the lines of what Josh is saying, hey, we want you to go do that. I mean, there's a big difference in my mind. And, you know, there's a difference between having uh, a source, whether it's a law enforcement source or whatever. It's like you're running a drug dealer, right? I mean, if you've got a drug dealer who's providing information for you, well, he's going to continue to go out there and sling drugs and do what he does. However, if you've got somebody under so much control that you're having him sell drugs for you, there's a big difference. And, and that's kind of the Ray Epps. Do you think he was actually an asset or do you think he was more of a, a source? I think that, you know, it, uh, you say we're bad at our jobs and I understand that, but you guys understand why you say that. I know, but we're horrible. <laughs> what you just, what you just outlined is, is textbook, right? And that we, I think the three of us know uh, the difference between a source of information and an asset that you are controlling. Right. But I think that we have done it throughout our careers. And I think definitely the American public does it by giving the federal government way too much credit, specifically the FBI, for being good at their jobs. Um, I think that it's possible, yes, by your definition, he's an, I believe, if that's the case, I think he's an asset, not necessarily a source. But that said, I could see somebody being so poor at handling sources, sources of information, that they instructed him to be like, hey, I want you going out there calling for violence and see who comes up and talks to you and report back to us on that. You know, I can see them being so, I can't see them. I know there's a lot of them are so poor at their jobs that they, they use tactics like that. So either way, I think he was instructed to do that. To what end? I mean, I lean toward Josh that somebody wanted something to happen. But again, you know, never underestimate the incompetence of the federal government, man. I mean, what do you say, Roger? Never attribute, what do you, never attribute to malice what could be explained by I think that was Josh, but yeah. Well, yeah, never, never attribute to malice what can be explained by stupidity. <laughs> and, you know, I, I always wonder, you know, I like, to, you know, the more that comes out about this January 6th stuff, it, it's just pathetic. It, it, to me, it's pathetic. Everyone's over it. Um, there's so much more to talk about and to deal with right now, other than these sham hearings. And I think they're going to start them back up in September. They were yeah. supposed to be over and, yeah. No, they have to they have to start them back up in September because, you know, when they just got done with this Kabuki theater, you know, this this previous one, it just it, it didn't gain the traction that they thought it was going to gain because, you know, people don't care that, you know, somebody, you know, threw their feet up on Nancy Pelosi's desk on January 6th. 
they cared that, you know, they just had to spend $110 to fill up their car. And so it didn't have the desired effect. You do it in September, right before the midterms and try and ride that, ride that wave a little bit into the midterms. Uh, so yeah, it, it's, it, it's Kabuki theater. That's all it is. That's so the best way to put it. I'm going to be really bad at the history on this. Cause I just, just now heard of it this week. Um, that back before World War II, World War II, and you guys might know more about this than I do. Back before World War II, is after World War One, there was a big, big protest on the Mall in front of the Capitol, all the way in the White House. It was, it was tens of thousands of people, and they camped out there. And all these people were veterans of the First World War who were protesting. We're not getting our veterans' benefits, and it, it was bad, you know, because veterans' benefits were dog poopy back then. And they still have a little bit to to make up for now, but back then they really had nothing. And turns out that uh, God uh, FDR, I believe, yeah, FDR uh, sent Eisenhower in there, and this is before World War II, and cleared that place out violently. Now they had they had come up to the Capitol a few times, and they had you know uh, gotten in, and it was you know get chippy every day, but uh, you know veterans were killed over that, tens of yeah. thousands of people. They went in there and cleared them out. And the I can't remember where I heard this, in, but I did read it. You know, that's far closer to a an actual insurrection than than that nonsense uh, on January sixth. And you know, you know, people laugh at Alex Jones. You know, once he was on the the Michael Malice podcast, it was actually really good because it was Alex Jones. You know, not all hyped up on twenty cups of coffee and probably a little snort of little little nose candy there. He was actually very, very calm and collected. He made a few points, you know, uh, an insurrection, it cheapens the word. It truly, truly cheapens the word. And, and for an insurrection, I mean, Joshua Roger, y'all take whichever one. Why don't you tell us, tell the audience what an actual insurrection, like in, in two minutes or less, what an actual insurrection looks like. What do you have to seize? Do you just go seize the Capitol building and it's good? No, I'll, I'll defer that one to uh, to Roger. But the protest you're talking about was a 1932 Bonus Army uh, protest uh, that they uh, they camped out on the National Mall um, because they had not received a uh, a bonus that was uh, promised to them by the United States government after uh, after World War II. And so it was after correction after World War One. And so it wasn't. Uh, Eisenhower that went in there, you know, after a couple months, uh, it was MacArthur, uh, Douglas MacArthur led the force that went in there to, uh, you know, two, two folks were killed. And I mean, they do, they raised it. Like he, like MacArthur rolled through the national mall, like Sherman through Georgia. And it was, it was bad. It was very bad. So, but I'll, I'll leave the definition of, uh, thanks for the, thanks for the correction. Uh, that was, that was good due diligence. Thanks for that. You're welcome. You know, I won't get into the nuts and bolts so much. I mean, just simply put, uh, generally speaking, if you don't have any weapons or guns, it's kind of hard to justify it as being an insurrection. If only if the side that you were uprising against is the only one who actually has guns, uh, it, it's kind of hard to say that, you know, there was an insurrection. Um, when the when the side that uh, actually has somebody that gets killed, right, from the other side because they don't have any guns, it's kind of hard to say that there, there, there's an insurrection. And and you're right, because it, it does cheapen the meaning of the word. And, and we've seen this we've seen this playbook for, for several years now, right? It's the same thing with race and Nazis and Hitler. And you're as bad as Hitler and you're a Nazi. And it just it cheapens it when you use those words 
for those type of events that don't necessarily meet the criteria, right? Where, where it's not only just a violent uprising, but you know, the, the end result is, is, is either some for, form of recognition or overthrow. Okay. So yeah, sorry. I didn't mean to, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, you did. So, so Merriam Webster defines insurrection as quote, an act of an act or instance of revolting against civil authority or an established government. Okay. So if that is the definition of insurrection that we're using, I'm not, I'm, uh, I'm not going to go dig into now do recession. Code. Yeah. Now do recession. <laughs> exactly. exactly. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say, you know what? I don't give two shits so, with the, what the dictionary but, says anymore. No, no, no. Well, yeah, but he, so here's the thing. Insurrection, the definition of insurrection has not been changed. Uh, you can go, you know, listeners, you can go pull it out of, yeah. uh, out of us code, but by this definition right here, um, weren't the, uh, weren't the hippies in the sixties, weren't they insurrectionists? Because quote, Absolutely. it was an instance of revolting against civil authority or an established government. So when you, when you revolt against civil authority, okay. So, when you when you're revolting, when these idiots, when these stupid, what do they call them? Like, uh, what do they call them? Solemn citizens, um, sovereign uh, citizens, sovereign citizens. When you don't roll down your window because you're like, I don't recognize your authority, so I'm not doing it. Okay, well, by definition, now you're an insurrectionist. So I get to pull you out of your car and beat you, or in the case of you know January six, I you know you're an unarmed woman, I can just shoot you in the face, you know. So Josh got that John Adams version uh, definition of insurrection. <laughs> yeah, exactly. John Adams, whatever that dude, can, that dude can go. Kill okay, rocks. You, you cut Roger off. Roger, where were you going with that? My no, point. I think the. I mean, and you've got you've got the the definition of, of insurrection and what, but the meaning that the Democrats are using because most people again that we we've talked about this ad nauseum on our episodes as far as you know the wordsmithing and how they play with it, it they're they're looking at an overthrow of the US government they, the democrats want people to believe that those folks that went to the capitol were going to overthrow the US government and and I'll tell you this you know 30,000 foot picture an event like that is not going to happen not through that type because one we're so decentralized right we are so decentralized as a country and I'm not saying that in a bad way I say that in a good way you know Dude, I, I, the reality is this, you know, the White House could be overthrown, Congress could be overthrown, uh, the Supreme Court could be overthrown tomorrow. States, cities, counties would continue to operate, right? Now, obviously, a lot of, okay, I'm, I'm oversimplifying, you know, there would be a lot of changes going on, right? Everybody freak out, what's the cause, are we fighting back, are we at war, yada, yada, I get all that. But I'm saying as far as, as functioning, we would continue to function and we would continue to exist as the United States of America. That's not a one day thing, you know, and, and I think that's one of the things that has always been to our advantage uh, as a country and not only just some of the isolationism and, and just our geographic, uh, you know, separation from, you know, major threats. But part of it is we are so decentralized that like, hey, man, you're not overthrowing the U.S. I mean, it's just not going to happen. You know, the only the only way the over the U.S. gets overthrown is when we overthrow ourselves. Um, one way or another, and that's whether it be through, uh, you know, what's going on now, uh, where it's really a, a fight between, you know, conservatives, true conservatives, um, which I won't even say like true conservatives, man. I think I think you're starting to see, and this goes back to what we talked about with with uh, libertarians. You know, I think you're starting to really see a rise of, of libertarians out there. Like people are like, hey, I'm not necessarily a conservative. I just effing want you to leave me alone, man. Just let me do my thing. 
You know, the problem is all you've got is Gary Johnson out there. So, you know, th- there is no champion for the cause. So the closest, you know, the closest uh, side that you have to pick or that you can pick is conservatives, right? Or the GOP or Republicans or whatever. But the battle is between progressives and, you know, conservatives. Uh, who wins, you know, I, I guess we'll find out in the midterms and we'll find out in 2024 or whatever. But, you know, for the for the whole, you know, the, the definition that the Democrats want you to believe, and Josh hit it on the head, you know, they want you to believe that those folks that went to the Capitol, and here's 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 one thing, and this is this is kind of what pisses me off because they conflate the two events, right? The original protest and then the riot at the Capitol building where they broke in, those are two separate events. Okay, now some of the people crossed over because people, uh, you know, obviously came for the protest or whatever. Clearly, some folks, a smaller group of folks, had those intentions to begin with to go uh, and, and raid the, the Capitol building. And then there were some folks that were just dumb and they got caught up in the mix and, and whatever. And, I, and you know what? I have no issues with prosecuting those folks, you know, arresting them, doing whatever, da 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 da. But don't sell me on that the QAnon shaman, you know, with the the you know goat, you know thing around his waist or whatever and wearing the horns was like going to take over the country. Okay. And, and that's what Democrats want you to believe. Luke, look so like something to say. Oh, well, I do. Always got something <laughs> to say. Y'all know that. And people who know me well know I got a lot to say. Uh, how much you care about is another matter entirely. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Y'all both are right. They want you to believe. They want the public who are you know, a lot of them are buying it hook, line, and sinker, that that was a legitimate threat upon our democracy. I think that uh, Chuck Schumer himself said that bigger than Pearl Harbor, bigger than 9-11, or as big, one one or the other. But yeah, I mean, (laughs) let's say they, you know, let's just go down the road. They, They take over the Capitol. And let's say they had weapons. And let's say that, you know, they forced the Capitol Police out and they stopped the vote. Is that going to overthrow the United States? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You know why? They hadn't, they had not seized any, this is just for starters. They had not seized any seats of power. The media, for instance, the first thing in an insurrection, you know, uh, take it from Fidel Castro, you got to get the media, man. And if you can't get them on your side, you shut them down. And then you got to shut down certain, I mean, insurrection is actually like real insurrection, toppling an existing powerful government. You know, there are books that are this thick, for those of you who can see on YouTube, uh, talking about insurrection, what it is. But you have to deprive the citizens of certain uh, means of production right away and seize those so you can start providing those instead of the government. See, the government's not giving you this. We are. None of that. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. There was no leadership. There's always leadership within an insurrection. I mean, gosh, you, we could go on and on and on. What, you mean the QAnon shaman wasn't the leader? No, well, (laughs) he was, geez, those videos are actually kind of funny. I mean, you go back, busting into the house floor. Hey, hey, what's up? It's like (laughs) dude sitting on the floor on his cell phone, telling his wife he's okay. It's just, it was sad. It's pathetic. It was pathetic. Truly was. They shouldn't have gone in there. And we've said that on the show multiple times, but you said that about uh, centralized, right? What's funny to me is. Over the years, and we've talked about this on the show too, is I think the three of us agree that uh, very and and Thomas Jefferson, by the way, he he agrees too. A very powerful centralized federal government is not what you want. It's not what you want. But yet, both sides of the aisle in D.C. are pushing for that as hard as they can. Let's focus more power 
on in the federal government to affect your day to day life. And you talk about, you know, you're seeing this this trend toward libertarianism. And I think it's from, you know, people on Main Street. You know, they may call themselves a Democrat. They may call themselves a Republican, you know, kind of right there in the middle are getting really tired of this. And of course, COVID brought this out. It was very, very uh, poignant during COVID how much control the federal government has when, I don't know, I think that uh, your local government should have the most control about how you live your day to day life because they are the ones who are going to feel the pain when they try to impose something on you that the public does not want. What, what pain does the federal government feel when they impose something on the citizens of, you know, Floyd data, Texas, and they are absolutely not accountable for that. And I don't know, Josh, man, I, I feel like I'm kind of rambling, but maybe you can uh, encapsulate my thoughts a little bit better about, Insurrection, centralized government, how hard it would be to throw overthrow the United States uh, government. Not that any of us would ever do that or advocate for it. Never. Never. No. I'd get security clearance if I did. I mean, we can always just go ask John Bolton how he did it and you know, around the world when he worked for the State Department. Uh you know, he came out it's like, oh, well, we overthrew governments. So I was like, oh, that's what you were doing at the State Department. I didn't know the I didn't know the State Department was chartered with that. Um, I thought it was another agency. So the uh, you know when it comes to the strong you know a powerful federal government, it just goes back, man. There you know you had the Federalists and the Anti Federalists, and the Anti Federalists were right. They were right all along. Um, you know, the Federalists were pushing for a strong central government, uh, you know, and weaker states. The Anti-Federalists were, you know, the, the exact opposite. And it, you're right, it shouldn't be because people have the most influence at the, um, you know, most people have, you have more influence at the local level than you do at the federal level, just for, you know, the, the reasons that Luke kind of outlined. Uh, you know, you you may never, ever, ever get a chance to, you know, correspond directly with your, you know, the senator representing your state or, you know, your, your representative, you know, that's in the, uh, in the U S house, you can absolutely have more opportunity to correspond directly, you know, and actually, you know, come face to face with your mayor, with your city council people, you know, city councilman, your school board, that is where your power is. Um, you know, to be, not, to be not fair, the federal level. To be fair, Josh, um, I hate that term, to be fair. But it's like uh, all around, you know, in the districts. In fact, I drove by them. I drove by actually three of them uh, this past week. I drove right by the offices of the representative for that particular district within within Texas. So, I mean, would you say that you have a better chance with your representative than I, – I, I mean, I, obviously, this is a dumb question. I mean, yeah, I'm with you on the senators. I'm never going to meet Cruz. I'm never going to – it's not going to happen. But I mean, at least the representative is there. They should be in the office at least sometimes, right? Yeah, your representative should, but it, you know, that's going to I think that's going to come down to who your representative is and how how available they make themselves. Uh, you know, some representatives are absolutely not going to make themselves available to the to their constituents uh, for a myriad of reasons. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Dan Crenshaw does not have a uh, you know, have an open door policy. Um, you know, when he's, uh, when he's in town, you know, along, um, I think you're right. Evidence. AOC, any, yeah. any member of the squad. I agree with you. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, they're going to have hours in there. Like, you know, like the old S one used to have be like, we're open between nine thirty seven and nine fifty one. 
Um, you know, and then we're, you know, we're at Sarge's time training the rest of the day, every day. So yeah, I, I absolutely, you know, would never advocate for the, for the overthrow of the, uh, of the U S government. Um, but I will say this, there is going to come a point in time where people are going to get tired and people are going to get fed up. Did you know the, uh, did you guys see the, the price of stamps just went up again? Really? Yep. Yeah. So the price of stamps went up again. I truly believe if it wasn't for junk mail, the U.S. Postal Service would be completely out of business. Um, and, you know, I started thinking about it. And uh, so I spent this past week in, uh, in, in Georgia, um, you know, spending time with uh, my mom, my sisters, and my dad and stuff. And my dad and I, uh, we went and had uh, breakfast one morning at a, a Waffle House where we sat there. You know, we solved the world's problems. And, uh, you know, it's kind of laying out. It's like, think of how much tax you pay. Think of how many times you're taxed, right? Just think about all the taxes that a U.S. citizen has, right? You got, you know, I mean, you run down the list and we're talking federal taxes, state taxes, you know, local taxes. You think of all the things you have to do to get a permit, right? You want to put a fence up in your yard? That's a permit, right? And ba- which is basically, a, it's nothing more than a tax. You want to put a deck on your house? You got to get a permit. That's a, you know, it's a tax. It's taxed. And, you know, they were taxing tax dollars, you know, at points. We threw tea in a harbor and started a revolution over less than what is happening now, than what is being done to American citizens now. Hey, hey, talk about the coffee. Talk about the coffee. Walk us through that. You guys, you two guys walk us through the coffee thing. And because and, I remember you saying that, uh, that very phrase you said, we start a revolution for less um, because of the lo- all the stuff, all the hoops we'd have to jump through. So I, I think that would be interesting to talk about. Yeah. So I'll let, uh, since Roger is the one that's actually kind of researched it, I'll let him, you know, roll that out. But just think about it. And I have a solution for the tax problem, though. I have a solution that the, the, in, uh, damn near the entirety of America would, would stop this, you know, this continuous money grab via taxes uh, by the federal government. When you get paid every month, you get your entire paycheck. You get your entire paycheck. And every month, once a month, you have to write a check to not only the IRS for your federal taxes, but you have to write a check to your state and to your county for whatever local taxes you have. You have to do that once a month. If that happened, there would be, dude, there would be people in the streets in the next five minutes. It'd be pitchforks and torches time. Oh, pitchforks and torches, brother. A hundred percent. It would do it just people don't realize how much they that that Uncle Sam is, you know, putting his hand in their pockets. It is absolutely crazy. And, you know, like you said, both uh, both sides of the aisle at the federal level are trying to continue to, you know, centralize more and more power at the federal government because I don't care how good a person you are, total power corrupts. And the more power that they can get up there, the more money they can get. And at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. So, yeah, I, I think that's a good idea on the coffee thing, though. Uh, Roger, you want to run that down? Yeah, but real quick on the on the tax thing and, and following along that line. So just rough numbers here. Understand that for every dollar that you earn, right, and, and you're spot on. Uh, Ted brought that up before. He, he, he wasn't saying 
monthly. He was saying do it annually. But, you know, of course, the federal government will never do that because we'll spin that crap, right? <laughs> you'll, it'll be like Dumb and Dumber. You'll just get like the yellow sticky. Hey, man, I was a little short this month. <laughs> I owe you $650. <laughs> I'm good for it, right? Um, but for every dollar that you get, that you earn, uh, you might as well just cut it in half automatically, right? Because by the time you get done with your 25% federal income tax, you're depending on where, what state you live in, five, six, 7% state income tax. Some folks have a city tax or a county tax. Um, then you throw on your 8% you know, or so uh, sales tax. We haven't even talked about like property tax and, and, and all the other you know, numerous taxes out there that, that you're going to pay just going through life. You're getting less than 50 cents on the dollar, right? I mean, it's criminal. And it's, uh, I, and I get angry. I mean, the taxing just, it pisses me off. I get angry because I don't think people care enough and they don't care enough because part of, you know, obviously technology and, and those advances uh, makes life a lot easier in, in some aspects. But, you know, th- there's also another purpose for that stuff because people just don't see their money. Like we will, we will never see our entire paycheck because the government is going to go ahead and grab their piece first. And it's not like the old days, right, where you went up to the cash cage and you went up there and they counted out your money for you and you're like, okay, here's $550. You're like, uh, yeah, but I'm supposed to get paid like $720, like what happened with the rest of this thing, right? You're not, it's not even that way anymore. Now, you just get this number that's in your bank account on the 1st and the 15th and that's just kind of what you live off of. What's up, Luke? Would you say it's a little bit like the lottery, like that? that ass wagon up in uh, Illinois who has got my money right now. Would you say it's a little <laughs> bit like the lottery where it's like, well, the prize, the prize is $1.34 billion in fine print. Yeah. But you're actually only going to win about 700 million. Like, you know, yeah. it's, it's like that, right? Yeah, it, exactly. And, that, and it's exactly what it is. I mean, it, it's so bad that even like a lot of game shows, and this has been known for years, but a lot of game shows, the contestants end up giving their prizes back because they can't even pay the tax on it. You know, if there's a big one, like, you know, they talk about all the time, like, especially in California, because a lot of these are, are filmed out in California. Like, yeah, I actually can't afford the tax on this new car. So just, you can keep it. I don't need it. I don't want it. I'm just here for whatever, right? I mean, you can do it with the, with the cash or the money because they just take the money out of it. But you never do see 100% of it. And it pisses me off that people don't care enough, uh, you know, because you, you don't see pay stubs anymore. You know, it's just, again, you just get a number that's in your account on the 1st and the 15th. And as long as it's somewhere close to kind of what you think you're supposed to be getting, then you're just kind of like, okay, this is what we have. You know, we all have wives and this and that and kids and, uh, you know, your, your spouse and others as they pay the bills, they're just like, hey, this is the money that just hits and this is, this is what we pay our bills with. You know, but going off to, uh, you know, the, the federal government piece like Luke and Josh were talking about, because we were talking about coffee. So th- those folks that, you know, listen to us for a while. So I roast my own coffee. And I know Luke and Josh think it's this snobby thing. And what they, what they fail to realize is that I can get like fantastic gourmet roasted coffee for, for pennies at what they pay at Starbucks, right? So it's actually a lot cheaper because I can buy it bulk, 10 pounds, 20 pounds, 100 pounds, whatever. And, you know, for like an Ethiopian yogurt chef, dude, I pay like less than $5 a pound for that stuff, a pound, right? That, that, that barely covers a, a grande at, uh, you know, Starbucks or whatever, and, and that's for my whole family and, and all that stuff. But anyway, you know, he was talking about the, the idea came up. Hey, maybe we should roast some C3 coffee because I like roasting coffee. I actually have a uh, I have a Baymore roaster, so I can do over a pound at a time. It's like, 
you know, that'd be kind of cool for, you know, for both the listeners out there to send them some coffee every, you know, every month or whatever they could order it or, or whatever. And I'd been drinking a little bit. So, you know, at first I was like, yeah, man, let's do it. Right. Yeah. No surprise there. I was like, yeah, man, let's do it. But then as we, as Luke and I, and, and I think it was like seven 30 at night. So Josh had already been asleep for about two and a half hours. So as Luke and I go back and forth and we're talking about this thing, trying to work it out, I'm just like, man, you can't do it, you know, because there's cottage laws that I got to follow within Arizona. And so I can sell within Arizona. Uh, once I go to the food handlers course, uh, and then they authorized me to cook out of my own kitchen for coffee beans, right? For coffee beans. But I wouldn't be able to sell, and I can sell it online within the state of Arizona. And I've got some labeling requirements that I got to meet and this and that. Uh, but we can't sell it online outside the state of Arizona because it's now considered interstate commerce. And oh, by the way, interstate commerce, you can't cook anything out of your home kitchen uh, food wise or anything that's edible and sell it over state lines. And then you have the FDA, you know, now I got to go pay to get a, a specific, you know, get my stuff analyzed and get a specific label. And this. So long story short, it's like, they just make it impossible. They, they, they stifle small businesses so much to the extent that's like, Hey, here was an idea that we were kicking around that, yeah, you know, we'd do this. And then as we started working out numbers, now, mind you, I just said, I can get a pound of Ethiopian yurg for under $5 a pound. And, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Luke. I think we came out to like, I would literally have to sell it for $20 to like break even. Yep. Yeah. Right. And we're not even talking about time now. We're not even talking about my time and then filing fees for all the permits that come out the file. Like we didn't even, we were just looking at straight raw materials, straight shipping, boxing, packaging, this and that. Like you have to sell it for $20 a pound just to break even, you know, and that's not the purpose of the federal government, man. You know, it's just not, you know, they, they, they stifle everything you do. And it, it goes down to where you've seen this pull, um, you know, between the left and the right where, and actually, I don't even know if it's a pull between the left and the right. I think now they may just both be on the same side of the, of the tug of war rope, right? Maybe that, that rope is just wrapped around a tree. So they're both pulling in the same direction, but uh, they just act like, hey, we're on opposite sides, you know, opposite ends of the rope, but you're both pulling the same way. Uh, because they just want bigger federal government. And that's not, I don't think that's what the founding fathers wanted. Um, and, and this is a little bit of a tangent and I'll, I'll kick it over to, to Josh. So another night I was drinking, right? And I think I texted this. I might've been drunk when I was I, actually, it's it pretty funny. So I was drunk <laughs> and I think I was pretty, <laughs> I, I, I was, I think I was pretty hammered. Right. And, uh, it's like, it's gotta be like, I don't know, midnight, one in the morning or whatever. And I grabbed my phone and I just boom, 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 boom. And uh, my wife thought I was texting scam likely. She's like, who are you texting at one o'clock in the morning, right? So I'm like, no, I've got this idea, you know? And, and so we were getting ready to go to bed. I put Superman on TV and one of my favorites, you know, I love Superman. Of all the superheroes, he's the man. Um, and so I came up with this like, you know what? And I need to Google this because surely I'm not the only one to ever think of this. The whole jor Superman, General Zod in the crystals, Dude, that is symbolic of the United States and our history. So like Jorel and the crystals, those are our founding fathers, right? And, and General Zod, is, they're, they're, he's your progressive. Uh, Superman is, uh, is your conservative. He's, he's the conservative base of the country. And it's funny because there's a quote in there, you know, uh, the crystals are like the founding fathers where they're, you know, they're telling you that the history and this is what we're meant to do. And they're, they're obviously trying to, you know, uh, what was Krypton? They're trying to rebuild Krypton and this and that. And they get to a point where it's just not going to happen. 
And there's actually a statement where, where Jor-El, you know, Superman's father says, silencing me won't change anything. And, but anyway, in, in this drunken stupor, I sat there and I'm just like, man, that's exactly like the shape of our country right now. It's like, you've got these crystals out there and you've got Jarrell that are our founding fathers. Like, this is why we're created. This is what you're here to do. This is where you're good. Now they were obviously able to continue to give more guidance, which I think is our, like our constitution, right? Our constitution, the bill of rights, uh, that's the continuing guidance that the, that the founding fathers left for us, knowing that they're not going to be around forever, but you've got general Todd that's like, nope, man, we're, we're rebuilding Krypton. This is going to happen. And then you got Superman that's like, no, man, this is, you know, we're supposed to adhere to these laws or whatever. But I know it was a, it was a drunken stupor. I thought it was pretty brilliant, genius. Now that I, I regurgitate that story, it doesn't sound as, as genius as maybe I, it did at one o'clock in the morning. But <laughs> <laughs> I'll throw it over to Josh for some of his thoughts. <laughs> yeah, no, I remember, uh, I remember you breaking that down for us. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think it, it, I think it sounded better in the text than it did with you, uh, you laying it out right there. So. But whatever, dude, and your bands suck too. So whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Dude. So, so real quick on the, uh, on the super band thing is, you know, and I said this in the text is you, I, Christopher Reeve was the best Superman, right? I mean, those, those were the best Supermans. I think Luke wasn't a fan of Superman three, uh, from, uh, from, you know, from from his account but uh just think about all that time that that lex luther wasted you know trying to trying to kill superman with kryptonite and i mean all he had to do was invite him to go horseback riding with him and that would we're giving the people what they want oh humor Dark humor. I'm humor, man. Hey, man. You know, some somebody came for the, you know, came for the laughs and got the politics. Well, there's some, there's some laughs for you, right? But they did a good job with all the, with all the Superman, like the George Reeves, the very first one. I remember watching the black and white one. I mean, you know, that dude was like four yeah. big stout, you know, yeah. dude, and you know, you had Christopher Reeve and then the new guy. I mean, so they've done a pretty good job with all so, the Superman characters. Yeah. Hold, was hey, it? Was it? Go ahead, Josh. Sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. You're gonna say something about Superman. Go ahead. Uh. uh so the Joss Whedon or Whedon or whatever his name is, did he do the Superman movie, the first one? Uh, Roger, do you know that he directed it or something? Yeah. I think it was Joss Whedon. Whatever, it doesn't matter. You know the Superman mythology, and now I'm getting into the weeds. And I'll kick it right back to you, Josh. But the Superman mythology is great, right? Uh, it goes all the way back to the beginning of myth. Period. Uh, there's always got to be a weakness, right? His weakness is kryptonite, and as the story progressed over the years you know the comic books there were other weaknesses he had and one of the weaknesses he had was his own conscience his own morals and ethics and things like that and sometimes these directors and sometimes hollywood accidentally gets it right you know they they have a message that they want to send everybody but they're like you know it'd be cool if we had these crystals and they laid down the law and we have a guy who's like no these are exigent circumstances so i'm gonna do they didn't understand what i understand now but then you got superman the ultimate hero the ultimate protagonist He's like, no, we have the rules. We're going to follow the rules, and that's what we're going to do. And I, that's why I think that, you know, as I thought about uh, that, you know, through the week, because I, I drive a lot and I have a lot of time to think about the the drunk text that Roger sends us. And I was like, you know, it really is something that they kind of stumbled onto that. They stumbled onto like a deeper meaning, a deeper truth, which I also think was uh, stumbled onto, whether on purpose or not, in the the Dark Knight, the second Bat- Batman movie by Christopher Nolan. Uh, I think they stumbled onto some truth there that, you know, some of the more perceptive audience members can kind of pick up on. You know, I don't even know if he meant to do it that way, but that's what you took out of it. And I think that's, I think it's great. I think it's a good point. But back to you, Josh. Sorry. Yeah. 
No. So, so my bands, my band suck, Roger. Um, uh, and you know, a couple of our listeners, uh, weighed in and, uh, and let me know that my music, uh, you know, my taste in music was terrible. Uh, one person even weighed in and was, you know, said that Johnny Cash was meh. Um, which, you know, <laughs> I took as a, I took as an affront, um, you know, to, uh, to everything I hold dearly when you, uh, disparage the man in black like that. But, uh, but so I had, so I made the comment in that episode, uh, that the only white person that should be rapping was Eminem. Right. Uh, so I said that. So have you guys heard of a dude named Jelly Roll? What? No. Yes. Dude. Yes. So he's a country okay. singer, though. Originally. No, 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 no. I thought so, originally he was, and then he went to rap. No. So checked it. So, well, Dude, I, I, I don't know. So I drove back from uh, I drove back from Georgia today. So I had I had like five and a half hours in the car. All right. So I got introduced to Jelly Roll. Uh, one of our listeners hit us up and was like, "Hey, man, you you know." You go. You have to check this guy out. Just check him. I out. love. No, I I love how the listeners like to hit us up individually. I, when I say I love nice. it, it means I hate it. So <laughs> hey, listen, everybody, you're gonna hit Josh up. You're gonna hit me up. You're gonna hit Roger up. Hit the three of us up, man. It would be great. So that yeah, I can. I had a lot of country, drive. He did country as well, and then I think he went to rap, and now so, he does both or whatever. So he was on. Uh, so. This guy got hit. You know, buddy hit me up. He was like, "Hey man, you have to listen to Jelly Roll." He was like, "That dude's gonna blow you away," and he was absolutely correct. So I, I listened to an interview that he did with uh, with Bobby Bones, and Bobby Bones is you know he's kind of like the Joe Rogan of Nashville, kind of like the Joe Rogan of country music. Um, so Jelly Roll went to prison. He started in and out of the juvenile and you know prison system when he was like fourteen or fifteen, and from what he says. He started rapping in prison. Um, you know, he, he watched rap battles. And, you know, so that's really what got him into music. Um, and then, you know, Bobby Bones asked, he was like, well, you know, you've got a you've got country songs. Like you have legitimate country songs. But the dude also has rock songs. And, and Jelly Roll is like, hey, man, he's like, I'm not, you know, I'm not a country artist. I'm not a hip hop artist. He's like, I'm a songwriter and an artist. He's like, that's what I do. He's like, whatever bin you know, people want to put it in, he's like, put it in that bin. I don't care. Um, but this guy, you know, when Luke and I were talking about the music piece, right? And, you know, we, we talked about there's music to be that, that that is, you know, put out to be heard, right? And then there is music that is put out to be felt. The songs I listened to from this dude today, those are that dude, he is only putting out music that is to be felt. Um, if you get a chance, go listen to two songs, son of a sinner and save me. Those two songs right there do blew me away when, uh, when I was driving today, they were absolutely phenomenal. Then I heard one of his rock songs that dude was straight killing it. He's an artist. You know, it's interesting. You, you, you said his name. I looked him up on, you know, Wikipedia. It's my old standby. And, you know, we, we covered last week, uh, or last time we recorded anyway, uh, that Tom McDonald and I had a few people hit me up uh, and uh, to Ryan's credit, it was in the group uh, chat and whatever. And he, he said, I listened to a few of those. It's interesting, whatever. But my point is jelly roll, right? He's uh, collaborated with, you know, there's a number of names and I saw one name is this guy's name is struggle Jennings, struggle Jennings, right? And he's out yeah. of Nashville and all that stuff. 
And I'm like, holy cow, uh, Tom McDonald collaborated with that guy as well. So it's like, you know, and I think it was uh, Ryan. I think Ryan kind of called us out. He's like, you got to search for this. You know, you guys, you forgot about the black keys. And I'm like, yeah, we didn't mention the black keys. They're pretty good. But it's like, yeah, you know, there is good stuff out there. That feel music, man, that's what I'm looking for. You know, I, I just thought that was interesting that they, you know, they all kind of run the same circles. And I bet you, is he independent or is he signed to a label? Uh, I you know? think I, 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 I think he's independent. The, the interview that I watched him in, he didn't mention any of it. Um, he just really talked about his background and how he, you know, how he came up, um, you know, and, uh, and kind of, you know, just more life, you know, on his background. But this guy, man, when this guy's singing about addiction, when this guy's singing about prison, when this guy, like he's been there, he's got face tats. He, he, dude, he looks like, he looks like a fat Tom McDonald. Um, is what he looks like with the face tats and everything. You know, he, I mean, he doesn't have the braids, uh, but you know, it's, it's always, it's always good. And, and then I'll, I'll throw it over to, uh, to Lou. He, you know, he can jump all over to do whatever. Um, but it's always good when you have somebody who is authentic, they're authentic and they are honest. You know, I forget who it was. Um, they were interviewing BB King. And they asked, you know, they asked them, you know, how did you and guys like, you know, like Pine Top Perkins and others who were, you know, the blues, like, how do you, how are you guys so successful, you know, singing the blues? And B.B. King was like, because that's how I grew up. You know, B.B. King was like, hey, man, it's hard to sound genuine singing the blues when you're riding in the back of a limousine. And I was like, damn, there, you know, like, there it is. Right there, it's just. But this dude is authentic, man. He's a real deal. Everybody, check out Jelly Roll, um, man. Dude, dude was awesome. So that's so a, that's a pretty good transition. Sorry, I'm gonna cut you off real quick. I, I won't be like Josh and say I didn't mean to cut you off. I actually meant to cut you off, but I just wanted to note that his. Uh, that's a pretty good transition because uh, you know Josh kicked old uh, Carlton Zeus to the curb on the uh, the last episode there, and now he's bringing up Jelly Roll. So you know, I guess we'll have some new intro music. I don't know for this one or next one, or whatever. But that, that was pretty smooth there, Josh. <laughs> that's there's always an angle there's always an angle with josh you thought he you thought he just forgot about carlton zeus man carlton jelly rolls coming oh that's, that was well played man that was two and a half <laughs> weeks well played he's like oh yeah just didn't kind of make it on there hey man there's this guy jelly roll and uh yeah sorry carlton <laughs> zeus <laughs> so jelly roll in 2013 put out a uh, album called whiskey weed and waffle house i know for sure Two of those, two of the, those three things Josh really likes. Weed, we don't know. We don't know for sure on that one. But anyway, uh, Waffle House actually uh, sent him a cease and desist on that, so he changed it to uh, whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> they did, they did. They changed it to, he, so he changed it to whiskey, weed, and women. I can't wait to check him out. Thanks for that, Josh. That was, <laughs> I love that was it. Good. That was good. That was, that was good. So, um, yeah, we got, we, got a lot of, we got a lot of feedback on, on last week's episode. I'm sure some people really didn't like it, but... Uh, we did get feedback and even, even negative feedback's good. And we, we do read y'all's comments and, you know, it's like, Hey man, F you, <laughs> you know, but it's like, we, it's all, it's all in fun, you know? So uh, yeah, keep listening. We appreciate it. So Roger, I'm going to, I'm going to change, I'm going to change tack on you a little bit. Here. We, we do that though. We're just sitting there. Hey man, hey man, did you see this guy's comment? Man, F that dude. F that dude. <laughs> but it's like, dude, we love him. We love all y'all that listen to us. Y'all uh, can fight it out on who we're saying F you too, but, uh, <laughs> So, okay, Roger, I'm going to change tack on you a little bit. Uh, 
Yeah, I know I, I didn't mention Carl to Zeus in the last episode either. It's maybe it's because we couldn't hook up in San Antonio. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how that happened. You know? Okay, so Roger. Nancy Pelosi is gonna go to Taiwan, apparently. She's doing her Southeast Asian tour. And uh China, at least the state media, is saying, no, nah, that's a bad idea. So I've got a lot of questions on this. And my main question when I saw this is the Speaker of the House. My, my first question is always, as you, as the audience knows, my first question is always, why? Uh, why is the Speaker of the House going to Taiwan? Exactly why is this happening? I'm not saying they shouldn't. I'd just like to know why. And the audience also knows we really don't like Nancy Pelosi at all. But for me, at least, politics stops at the water's edge. And if somebody's threatened to shoot down my Speaker of the House, brother, I'm ready to launch nukes at you. And that's just all there is to it. So, Roger, I, I don't know if you feel the same way I do, but, you know, maybe if you want to give some background on that or, or just your thoughts on Pelosi going to Taiwan and China being all uh, having their panties in the water about that. Well, you know, it's funny because there are multiple angles on this thing. So on the surface, you'd like to say that she's going to, you know, improve, you know, relations between the U.S. and Taiwan and kind of show uh, China that, you know, we recognize, you know, Taiwan's sovereignty. The problem is that's on the surface because as we talked about several episodes, we don't recognize as a country, we don't recognize Taiwan's sovereignty. Okay, we recognize them as part of, of mainland China. Um, and then she's probably got some stock tips or something like that that she's going to pick up. But I am with you. But there, there's a couple there, there's a couple different angles with this, and it's uh, one. It, it's one of the like you mentioned, uh, dude. I could probably I can't even think of anything that I actually agree with Nancy Pelosi on about anything. With her going or saying that she's going to go over there and China may shoot the plane down or or, or whatever. You know, the GOP is behind her 100% going, right? I mean, everything I've heard, uh, you know, folks are like, hey, you need to go. You, you do not back down from this. Now, that being said, I don't know if they're like, well, hey, maybe they'll shoot her down. And so, <laughs> you know, what's the, <laughs> what's the worst that could happen? I mean, there, there's got to be part of that in there. But the, the, I think the thing that pisses me off about this is that the administration, one, KJP is the worst. Like, I thought Jen Psaki was bad. Um, she was just snarky and, and, and a little narcissist, right? And that's what pissed me off. Jen Psaki was the type, like, you just wanted to punch her in the face, right? That's where, you know, uh, that, that, that's where you just, like, shake the shit out of somebody because they, they just frustrate you so much. Um, KJP is, I mean, man, she's just not very smart. You know, she's not very smart. And I'm not even talking about gaffes and this and that. She, she's just not aware of the situation. Um and she's not very quick on her feet. And I tell you, for the for the administration, and this is the difference, okay? And I don't care, Democrat, Republican, whatever. This is the difference uh, between Donald Trump with what we've seen him do for four years and uh, Joe Biden. Is Donald Trump would have come out the next day and been like, you shoot that plane down, we will turn China into a parking lot, period. And almost every meeting that you hear, whether you like him or not, where he's dealt with Russia, China, you know, Iran, and we all know what happened to Soleimani. Uh, that's that's kind of you know his words like hey man we can sit here and we can deal back and forth and be respectful and, and we can have business dealings and this and that uh, but the minute the threat comes up hey man we're going to town and 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 that's what we miss from Biden and I tell you when you, when you go back to the whole Ukraine thing because guess what that war's still going on right when you go back to Russia and the Ukraine that's why that happened I mean there's obviously other reasons behind that but there's no deterrence there because everybody knows. 
everybody knows that Joe's not going to do anything. Uh, so, you know, when you look at whether Nancy Pelosi actually goes or not, I mean, there's part of me that, that says, yeah, she needs to go. And I hope she does go, uh, because you are giving some pushback, uh, you know, on China, but it's, um, you know, you, you don't, don't have the administration. Think, don't you think it's the optics too, though? I mean, because this is kind of a no lose situation when she goes, look how brave yeah. Nancy Pelosi is, right? The optics are just, it's like, it's made for TV, literally optics because she's going to yeah. go. And it's like, how brave, right? And, and the White House is not even smart enough to take advantage of it. I mean, you know, they, they, you know, they came out and were like, uh, well, you know, the DOD advises, like, when was the last time the DOD advised a speaker on the House on foreign travel, on foreign visits? Like, uh, right? I mean, you know, I get it. if you're going to a war zone, if you're going to, you know, Afghanistan in 2002 or something like that, okay, I get it, or Iraq or whatever. I mean, when was the last time, you know, the DOD came in and was like, yeah, I really don't think you should go to Taiwan, or I really don't think you should go to France or, you know, or whatever. I mean, it, it just, you know, you never hear of that happening. But the, the White House is so dumb that they're not even taking advantage of it because now the GOP backing Pelosi, the White House is going to have to come out and support it. I mean, there's no way that the that he can be so passive and remain passive about this this thing. And it's not even like with KJP. What kills me is this: like I think we're average folks. We we are, we are average folks that you know we probably pay a little bit more attention to the news than than, than most folks. On a lot of it's because we work from home, and like you said, you're on the road, so we have the opportunity to listen, uh, you know, to a lot more. But it, it just it's amazing to me that the White House hasn't figured out that they have to come on board and support her going, or you're going to look like complete pushovers, right? I mean, because that's what the GOP is doing. They are backing Pelosi and backing her going over there, and they're going to make uh, you know the White House look like complete pushovers. And KJP, and this is going back to, to what my, my thought process with her, is she doesn't even ex- you know exude the confidence that like, there's one thing to say, Hey, look, you know, the Speaker of the House, for obvious security reasons, has a lot of trips planned, uh, and we're not going to get into those details because of national security issues or whatever. Okay. And there's a way to confidently say that. And people will be like, all right, her flipping through her book. So, yeah. So, Nancy Pelosi going to. So, yeah, because, um, you know, well, the DOD doesn't recommend it. Um, but, yeah. So, we're not going to really talk about that right now. Okay. That's not a whole lot of confidence, right? I mean, there's ways to do it. Uh, she's done a poor job at it. I think she still goes to Taiwan. I think she has to. Uh, I think you're right where it's a no-lose uh, for her. And I think for the GOP, uh, it's really a no-lose for them either. Continue backing it. It shows there's some sort of bipartisan support. Not that you're going to sway voters one way or another, uh, but it shows that there is some kind of bipartisan support. And then it forces the White House, Josh, right? It, it forces the White so House wait. that they have to come on board. Wait, let me ask one question real quick before Josh answers Roger to you and then and then over to Josh. So God forbid the plane shot down. God forbid that. I do not want that. I think I made that very clear. But if it was, how much like if some uh, Chinese trawler or hopefully Taiwanese, maybe Japanese, gets those breast implants out of the water, how much do you think those would go for on eBay? Man, your mind's in the gutter, dude. Your mind's in the well, gutter. You saw the picture of her on the beach, man. Come on, man. Those things ain't real. There's, there's <laughs> no way. She's 80-something years old. You saw the picture on the beach? Unbelievable. How if you haven't seen that picture on the beach of her walking, <laughs> or type in Italy Pelosi Beach, and the first thing that comes up, and then you tell me, 80-year-old woman, ain't no. No. 
Luke's going to throw that out there after, you know, scoffing at my uh, my Christopher Reeve, you know, horseback riding joke and be like, oh, man, that's terrible. And that's you're going to throw that out there. <laughs> well, got to push the envelope, man. We push the envelope here, man. Whatever it takes. DC3. <laughs> uh, no, to answer Roger's question, yeah, I, I mean, I think the, at this point, you have to support it because especially now that China's, you know, come out and threaten that, you have to. If you don't, you know, it's just a it's just another nail in the coffin. I mean, I think, you know. They, maybe the maybe the White House is you know hesitant to uh, to do that, um, and uh, you know because you know Hunter not going to get his next installment you know into uh, into his bank account you know then the big guy doesn't get his ten percent you know how it goes so it, as far as the as far as the rest of it goes whatever I'm I'm with Luke um, you know. If if China is that stupid, and I hope they're not, then the only the only logical recourse is to crank up the Enola Gay. Like that's it. But guess what? Hey, boys and girls, you know, and that goes for any you, you, dude, uh, an, elect, uh, an elected official. Done. Especially you know the third in line to the you know to the Oval Office. Done. Hundred percent. I'm turning. I am turning China into glass, um, and, and and they should understand that. And you know, past U.S. presidents, not Trump. You know, not only Trump. You know, who turned Soleimani into a bowl of salsa. You know, but you go back and you look at Reagan, Such uh, a with Gaddafi. You know, uh, <laughs> you know. Not only did we, not only did we, not only did we go in and uh, you know and bomb sites within Libya, like we bombed Gaddafi's house in the middle of the night. Uh, you know, and it was like, okay, you want to shoot down our planes? You want to bomb, you know, civilian airliners over Scotland? Not a problem. We got something for you, guy. You want to kill him? And that was just, dude. And no, no elected American officials died in that. That was just American citizens. You know, it was just us peons. Um, and, and Reagan had no, no hesi- hesitation, you know, with doing that. Bush, you know, Bush inv- invaded sovereign countries just because you know he he got bullied into it by his daddy's. Uh, you know, former, former staff, um, and coworkers. And then, you know, as with Trump, but yeah, man, that's the only, that, that's the only recourse that you can do. Um, if something like that were to happen. Um, uh, so I don't know. So Roger, you said it was, I'm kind of, I'm gonna shift gears on, on you a little bit here. Um, you said it's raining out in Arizona. You, this is just like the, the, the two times a year that it rains. Well, we're we having we're having a, an overly active monsoon season, which is great because we actually need it. But, uh, you know, Luke's favorite place, Apache Junction. You guys got to like, you got to Google the videos of Apache Junction from yesterday. I mean, the streets are literally like rivers flowing, you know, taking mailboxes and cars and, and all that stuff down. So it's, uh, it's much needed, but I, you know, it's, it's a double-edged sword. I mean, you know, you need the rain and that's not the problem though, man. It's like the humidity just goes nuts. I mean, which, you know, where you're at out there, you talk, you complain about it all the time. And, and the fortunate thing for us is like, and it is true. People joke about it, but the dry heat does make a huge difference. You know, we're good to 105, 106, 107 out here. Uh, once you get beyond that, then it's just hot, hot and you stay indoors or whatever. But dude, when you're like 101 with like 50 or 60% humidity, I mean, it is unbearable. Like you just can't do it. And so it's, uh, I haven't stepped outside. We got dumped on. I think we got just from the the intro uh, until we got to our first segment, it was uh, it's like a quarter inch of rain. So, you know, it stopped now. I don't know if we're going to pick up any more later today, but we we definitely need it. I did find uh, speaking of, of of rain and because California is screwing this up to, to everybody. Said 
did you hear that Mexico is pissed that Californians are taking over Mexican cities and they're not assimilating? <laughs> Sounds kind of racist to me. Shocker. Dude, I sat there. They were talking about like with Mexico City, and then they had a couple guys that uh, were like talking about cafe shop owners and this and that. And they're like, "Yeah, all the and, and they said obviously it's it's other places other than than from California, but it's become so expensive to live in the states, and with people being able to work remote, uh, that they're going to Mexico, and they're like some of these small Mexican towns now. You go into a cafe, like you won't see one Mexican person, or maybe the one person who works there is Mexican. Everybody else, they're white folks from from California. And now they've got these, uh, they've got these posters and, and things up on telephone poles about, you know, oh, are you from the United States? Do you work for remote? Go F yourself. You know, that type of thing. I mean, they, <laughs> dude, they are pissed off, which brings me to uh, inflation and GDP and, and all that other good stuff. So, you know, we had talked about a, a recession, right? Which, you know, I think Luke and Josh at the very beginning kind of threw out, you know, some jabs out there on the, uh, you know, as far as the, the dictionary definition. And, and it's, Oh, sorry. Yeah, we do have some Kentucky floods. Yeah, you know what? I missed your transition. I was out for a week. Go ahead, Josh. Talk about the Kentucky floods. Yeah. So remember earlier when when Luke said that Roger uh, was really bad at his job? That's a uh, that's a perfect example right there. Um, so yeah. So I like I said, man. I've been I've been down in Georgia. Uh, you know, this past week. Um, and, uh, you know, seeing my family, I actually, and the other thing I got to catch up with a, uh, with a buddy of mine from high school that I haven't seen since high school. And, uh, it was, you know, it was good catching up with him. And then, uh, one of our listeners down in, uh, down in Tampa hit me up, um, who is from, he's from Eastern Kentucky. Uh, he's from a little town, uh, in Kentucky called Hazard and it's in Appalachia, um, and uh, he was like, hey, man, you, you know, you guys heard about the floods up there. And I was like, dude, I haven't heard like I, I haven't paid attention to the news at all. I haven't, I haven't even been on social media. Um, you know, Luke and Roger always give me a hard time about being a terrible social media czar for uh, for C3. Like I've actually been worse. worse. I, <laughs> I, I've been worse than worse this week, man. I've been completely absent uh, <laughs> on our social media accounts. Um, except when, uh, except when, uh, Ryan, uh, disparaged Johnny cash. I did jump in on that one. Um, but anyway, so apparently, you know, I looked it up, dude, like Eastern Kentucky is getting hammered right now. Like it's bad. It is really bad. So there's 25, but right now that they know of, uh, confirmed 25 deaths. Uh, they've called in the National Guard from you know from Kentucky, Tennessee, and West Virginia to uh, to go in and help with these floods. Uh, and in the last couple of days, they've rescued about 600 people. Um, they're in and around Appalachia, Eastern Kentucky, and. They, you know, the governor, uh, Andy Bashir came out today and said that they're anticipating a lot more deaths, uh, you know, as search and rescue operations continue, um, and they continue to find folks out of those 25, four were, four were kids. Um, they were all four siblings, um, that, uh, that got washed, apparently got what, you know, they got washed away from, uh, from their parents, uh, who were trying to, uh, you know, hold on to them. It's really, but it's really bad, man. I was looking at some of the pictures coming out of, uh, of Eastern Kentucky, you know, they've lost power, uh, obviously in a lot of these places. And you're talking about those temperatures, uh, you know, that are, that are soaring and the humidity and there's more rain coming, uh, this week for, for Eastern Kentucky. Um, and so it's, it's really, really bad there right now. Uh, 
you know, who reach out to uh, one of our other listeners uh, and one of our podcast got your better members, uh, Ryan and Kristen, um, you know, from uh, episode fit for a King to, you know, to check in and see how they're doing. Um, and uh, what you got, Luke, you like about to say something. And they're, they're doing okay. They're doing okay. Um, okay. Yeah. They, they, they got some rain, but, but no serious flooding and they're kind of in uh Western Kentucky a little bit. So it's, it's away from them, but oh, okay. uh, yeah, at any time, you know, but he said, yeah, he, he said Eastern Kentucky's just, yeah, it's brutalized. So, um, you know, if you can, I'm going to do what, so what I'll do is I'll, I'll, I'll get back on the, uh, the social media is our horse, uh, tomorrow and, uh, you know, do, do a better job at fulfilling my responsibilities. And, uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw up a blog and I'm going to lay out, uh, some organizations, some charitable organizations right now that are actively helping the folks in Kentucky. Uh, and so these are, you know, these will be organizations that have, that have been vetted, um, you know, through, uh, through the, you know, through the governor's office of Kentucky, uh, so, you know, the Kentucky American Red Cross, the Appalachian Regional Healthcare Foundation, Flood Relief Fund, and others. Um, again, these folks who have been vetted, so when I throw them up there, you know, don't hesitate to uh, to reach out. If you can, uh, if you can help folks, um, you know, definitely, uh, definitely do what you can, because there's some people right now in Eastern Kentucky that are, that are falling on, uh, on hard times. And uh, it's not, uh, it's not looking good for the next you know, foreseeable future with the, uh, with the additional inclement weather coming in. So with that, I'll throw it back to Roger and then, you know, he can, uh, he can go on about inflation, in the economy and, uh, and stuff. And we'll change some more definitions while we're at it. That was a real pick me up. <laughs> no, I think Luke said, throw it back to him. So go ahead, Luke. No, 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 no. I said, throw it back to Roger. Kick it back to him. Not me. Again, uh, really bad, really bad at your job, Roger. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, we, we're just not that good at communication. We need to go to therapy, man. Some C3 <laughs> therapy. So, yeah, real quick, the yeah the floods, and I, I hope you do that, Josh, with the with the charitable organizations. Cause it's hard to find the good ones sometimes. And, you know, as, as try as it sounds, you know, thoughts and prayers to those folks because that, that's no joke, man. 25 people, I think, total, I think. Uh, that's a lot, man. That's a lot yeah. for the United States. We're not used to those kind of numbers. So, but anyway, uh, so yeah, Roger, uh, you, you had a thought there. It, uh, it sounded pretty interesting. So go ahead, man. Well, we were talking about changing definitions and this and that, and it's, uh, we've gone kind of back and forth here and, and it's funny because they, they changed the definition of recession because that's the big thing on the news right now is recession. Are we in a recession? And if you listen to Joe, you know, it's like, well, you can't really look at those numbers right now or, or not pay any attention to those numbers because those numbers are historical and don't reflect today. And it's like, well, duh, all data is historical, right? I mean, unless you're getting it like real time right this second. Well, yeah, it all happened yesterday, day before, or whatever. That's what you got to go with. I mean, uh, and oh, by the way, those numbers aren't any better if you look at it real time. But going back to, I don't know, this was probably a couple months, you know, Josh and, and, and Luke and I were talking about when the recession is going to hit. And I kept telling, you know, Josh was saying this year. And he was talking about in a matter of a couple of weeks and, and maybe in a couple of months, probably in line with what's really happening, right? Uh, but I didn't know that they were going to play it to this extent. The NLEB or whatever the hell it is that, that actually comes out with the definition that the federal government's using, uh, Joe Biden's using right now, as opposed to what the rest of the world standard is, they actually changed that definition a while ago. And that's why I kept pressing Josh on it because they changed it. It used to be, uh, and, and in the majority of the world, it's it still is GDP, right? If your GDP 
shrinks uh, for two consecutive quarters, then you are in a recession. And in GDP, and now there's several different GDP numbers. You have real GDP numbers. You have, you know, expenditures, revenue, that type of stuff. So, so basically, it, it is the it is the value or what is uh, the value of all products, goods, and services that were sold, consumed, used, whatever, for a specific quarter. Um, because obviously, if you're, uh, you know, it, it, it's a good number because. If inflation is too high, and they do adjust it for inflation, uh, but if inflation is too high, your dollar doesn't go as far, or if people are trying to hold on to their money and this and that, that means the economy shrinks, right? And they're, they're not buying goods, they're not paying for services, the economy shrinks um, as unemployment changes, this and that. With the new definition of recession, uh, I was going to say it's almost impossible to hit all the criteria, except I think that right now, what, what, what their definition now is like, it's just a broader, you have to take a broader picture. It's not just GDP, it's GDP, it's inflation, it's unemployment, and several other factors that go in. And actually, I don't even think they lay out specific categories. They're just kind of like, eh, whatever the, the person in office thinks at the time and wants to declare, that's what they declare. Um, I think, and, and I'll kick this right over to Luke, uh, by traditional definition, we are in a recession. That's that, that's no, that's, you know, that's a no-brainer. The unemployment numbers, where they're at now, it's the only thing keeping this house of cards up. That's it. That is the, I mean, looking at all the indicators across the, uh, no, I don't owe you a bottle. See, you missed, he doesn't even listen to the show. <laughs> he doesn't even listen to the show. The whole point was I knew they had changed that. So they make it impossible. You know, that's the thing. It's like if they're the ones in office with, uh, and they have power uh, or control in Congress, they can say that we're never in a recession. I mean, that's how they've, that's how they've set it up, right? That's not, you know, that's the way they designed it. But my question is this. So one, unemployment, the numbers, it is, it is fairly low uh, still, and it is the only thing keeping this house of cards up. Once the, uh, yeah, exactly. Once the, um, once the unemployment number increases, the house of cards fall, and I think we go into full-blown recession by any definition. So let me ask you this. Uh, is there anything else that you see besides unemployment number that's, that's keeping this thing afloat? And when does that number start to change? Oh, it's a tough question, man, because, you know, I'm not a biologist or an economist. So, you know, not a doctor. I'm not all these things. So I'm not qualified to have an opinion on anything. Obviously, we, we learned that during COVID and we learned that during the uh, the uh, Supreme Court justice. What was her name? Ugh, she's coming in. I should know that. But we learned that during her uh, her confirmation hearing that you got to be a biologist. Answer your question, man. I uh, <laughs> you know, it goes back to this. dude, uh, And you you covered it. What you said is that when when it's announced, like if everyone was honest and said, you know, we're going to stick to the definition, we're in a recession. The average person, I think, uh, maybe not our audience, but the average person thinks, oh my God, we're in a recession now. It's like, no, bitch, you've been living through it for the past two quarters. And it's probably going to continue for at least <laughs> one more quarter. And you're not going to be out of it for another two quarters of positive yep. growth, right? So... <laughs> You know, people can talk about the the, the uh, manufacturing sector and all this stuff all they want. And unemployment numbers, of course, unemployment should be getting better because we're coming out of the recession. And as a lot of people put it, and maybe we put it like this on the show before, the, the artificial shutdown of the economy was like a literal train wreck, like literally. 
it's going to take time to get all those cars back on the tracks and flowing again. It's just going to take time. You're not going to be able to put them all back together and have that roaring economy we had in 2019 before the pandemic started hitting globally. So what people are feeling on Main Street is what is actually matters. Now they're reading stuff. Okay. Yeah. So they're still talking about who won or lost the bet. I don't know. I think they should buy each other a bottle maybe. And Rogers are probably better than Josh's. But it's what people on Main Street are feeling and thinking at the time. And I think uh, somebody within the administration, I don't know if it was the press secretary or not, said, you know, the real problem is inflation. It's not really a recession. It might have been even that brilliant mind that we've been blessed with in our lifetime, Janet Yellen. I think it was Yellen actually that said it. The real problem is inflation. Not It doesn't have anything to do with recession. Well, <laughs> Main Street's who you should be caring about right now. They, they, truly, you shouldn't be caring about BlackRock. You shouldn't be caring about Wall Street and what the market's doing. You need to be concerned with you know the people who live on the east side of Lubbock. How they literally cannot afford to put gas in their car. You know, groceries are going up. They have to maybe take another job to make ends meet. Maybe that's why uh, unemployment's going down. That's why the employment figures are so high. Is because people have to take more jobs just to make ends meet. Because as y'all seen in the audience, man, the it, the prices at the store are out of control. So definition of recession, maybe it does have all, all to do with inflation, how people are feeling. My point is, recession or not, people are pissed. People are pissed. You can change the definition all you want so that your you know, upper middle class white liberal female living in the suburbs feels better about the situation. But that's honestly not what's going to get them elected. So what comes back? I'm not really answering your question. I think that... Re- Biden's is not making it any easier because as uh, Rush Limbaugh would have said, and as Ben Shapiro says now, you want to fix this problem, federal government, get the hell out of the way. Let Roger brew his coffee or, you know, roast his coffee beans and hell yeah. let us start sending out this stuff, lift the regulations. Maybe we'll contribute a little bit more to the economy and any kind of check we have coming in, 50% of it's going to go to you anyway. So just get the hell out of the way. That's something that Reagan called trickle-down economics, or at least that was a portion of it, right? So Biden is not making this recovery any easier. I do have faith in America. I do have faith in capitalism in America, more so than Josh. Josh is like, ah, ah. But I think that it will get back on track despite the federal government's best efforts are not even best efforts, just incompetence to try to get it back on track. Now, this spending bill, two spending bills that happened right in a row, one of them I'm on board with somewhat. I'm like, I'm somewhat on board with it because we've talked about it before. You know, Taiwan and Josh, stick with me here because this is important. I'm going to kick it to you right after. So I, I answered Roger's question very poorly, but one of the spending bills was uh, basically subsidizing uh, some chip manufacturing. At least that's what it's supposed to do in the United States, right? And I think that uh, Mitch McConnell was like, okay, we'll vote for this. We'll vote for this and we'll be all good, right? You d- just don't push another one through. So subsidizing chip manufacturing in the U.S. is something we've talked about on C3 before because Taiwan is Silicon, uh, Silicon Valley East. And if the Chinese take Taiwan, we are effed. No way about it because we cannot produce chips to meet the demand in the United States. So I'm all I'm all about chip manufacturing in the United States. If it takes a little bit of government subsidies to do that, fine. Will they execute it correctly? 
Probably not, but at least it's a step in the right direction. And then they push through another bill and Manchin flips, right, Josh? He flips. And he's like, yep, I'm going to vote for this uh, Build Back Better light. So now you've got, I think what Biden is doing is he's splitting up Build Back Better, not Biden. I think what Ron Klain is doing is splitting up Build Back Better into a number of different bills that will, uh, might have a chance of passing. And Cinema's going to cave, by the way, Roger. She's going to cave on this one. Uh, he's splitting it up into smaller bills. He's going to pass them one by one so that hopefully he'll have a big win before the midterms, maybe a couple big wins. And then after the midterms, we'll just keep going with this stuff. Because I think Manchin, I don't know, man, wolf in sheep's clothing? I don't know, Josh. I mean, because he flipped pretty pretty fast on that, right? And I think one of you guys knows why he flipped. So, I don't know. I threw a lot at you, Josh. Just just take it, man. Just take it. Just run with it, man. Just feel the wind in your in your spirit and just run with it. Yeah, bro, I don't run. I'm kind of like Roger. Um, yeah, but you got some run. sweet-ass running shoes, bro. <laughs> some hookahs. <laughs> the hookahs, man. I'm telling you, dude, you guys need to go to the shoe store. Just try. Dude, you ain't got to buy. Just try them on. You just try them on and be like, I'm just going to go try them on, walk around the store and take them off. I, I promise you, it's going to be like when your parents took you shoe shopping when you were a kid and you're like, can I wear them out of the store, mom? Can I wear them out of the store? That's what you're going to do, man. Dude, That's you, what's going to happen. You're literally becoming older by like a decade every time you talk. You're like going to be the, you're going to be, you're the reason that the mall opens up at five 30 in the morning. So the walkers can walk around the food court, you know, 9,000 times before everybody else goes shopping at 10. Hey man, just people, embrace it. Embrace it, Josh. Just embrace it. And uh, like, no, don't run with it. Just, just walk with it. What, dude, I'm good with it, man. Dude, there's a reason people think I'm crazy. I'm walking around my neighborhood at four thirty, five o'clock in the morning. People think I'm crazy. No, Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> what? what hey. <laughs> <laughs> go get my walk in. <laughs> go get my walk in in the mornings, man. <laughs> I mean, you do when you go to bed at seven. You know, at seven p.m., you generally get up kind of earlier. You know, it just kind of just kind of happens that way. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the the spending bills, um, I haven't like, yeah, I, dude, I have not done a lot of uh, a due diligence on them. But let me ask you this: in either one of those bills, does it cut two dollars? For every dollar spent. No. Then both of them are garbage. And neither one of them should be approved or signed. There should be no spending bill that goes to the president for signature. There should be no spending bill that passes either either chamber. Um, unless it cuts $2 for every dollar in spending. If it doesn't, it's, not, it didn't, it's garbage and it shouldn't be signed. Uh, as far as mansion goes... I can't remember if this is an election year for Manchin. I don't think it is. Um, but there's something else. Uh, oh, no, here's the deal. You know why he caved on that? Because it pays for uh, it pays for a pretty big, I think, a bridge uh, project in uh, in West Virginia. There was something I read, something I saw. It was a uh, it, it, it was a pretty big thing in West Virginia that's going to uh, pump some money in there and, and bring a lot of jobs. So you know, I mean. And like, that's fine. Like I, like that's politics, right? I mean, that's, Hey, look, you want me to vote for your, you know, your, your, your shitty bill. Like I need to get something out of it too. My state needs to get something. And at the end of the day, he's going to create jobs and there's going to be people in West Virginia that are, you know, are going to be able to work during the, you know, this, this, this recession uh, that we're in and uh, you know, and be able to feed their families. So, you know, I get that part. So yeah, he, he caved on that. Um, at the end of the day, I mean, they're all going to cave at some point on something. 
right? You know, because they need some votes back home, you know, so they got to be, you know, they can't be seen, you know, too far to one side of the aisle. Um, and so, so that part I get, uh, yeah, man, that's it. But again, if it doesn't cut $2, uh, for every dollar spent, it's a garbage spending bill and the American people should oppose it and, uh, and, and get up and be upset about it. But I do agree. They are taking bill back better and they're breaking it up into smaller chunks and they're obfuscating some of that crap in these bills, um, you know, that are, that are eventually, you know, gonna, gonna make their way through. Can they do it before the midterms? I don't know how long they've got. What two more sessions? Or no, they got one more. Only they've only got what one more session before the uh, before the midterms, right, Roger? Yeah, I think so. But but they're screwing themselves, right? Like Mansion saved them. Like Build Back Better not passing saved the Democrats. I mean, because you think inflation is bad now. Had Build Back Better passed. Dude, I mean, you know, even even their own people are like, dude, you, you, we would have been in double digits a long time ago. And so when you get down to where there may be some redemption for them come around the midterms, like they can't get out of their own way. And this is the scary part is they believe that what they're doing doesn't impact inflation at all. Manchin caved because of the fossil fuel pipelines that they're going to let them open in West Virginia. That's why he caved. You know, uh, I, I think they're they're going to go easier on some, um, uh, you know, some permitting. And I think they're going to allow them to open up some more pipelines in West Virginia. So it's going to create jobs, this and that. But this, I believe, is going to come back to bite the Democrats in the butt because like Luke was alluding to and what he was saying is that, hey, you're just spending more money. You're not creating anything at all, you're, 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 which is the cause of one of the causes of inflation, right? There's just too much money out there. And so you're just pumping money in there, pumping money in there. It takes more to buy things. It devalues the dollar, that type of stuff. Well, that's what this does. Uh, whether you pass Build Back Better in one big bill or you break it up, it's still the same amount of money, right? And, and so the thing is, they don't even see it. That's the scary part is they don't, they don't even see it that way. And so I think come the midterms, I think they've actually decreased their chances because I think these numbers are going to get worse. And I think when there was an opportunity for... Uh, because eventually, like we talked about, you know, the numbers are, are generally speaking for most things are year over year. So eventually things just kind of level out because you just stay high. Right. But the numbers look good, but you'll just be high. Um, but at this rate here, the, those numbers may continue to go up. So, I mean, they can't even get out of uh, their own way as far as, uh, you know, the semiconductor bill. I mean, I, you know, when it's spending bills, like I think I'm with Luke, uh, you know, we talked about, you know, a significant emotional event to bring, uh, semiconductors back here. It should have been COVID. Uh, should have done this a long time ago. I don't have a problem subsidizing uh, that part of it. Uh, I, you know, and I haven't read either bill because that's that's part of the problem. Is like they were talking about the um, the burn pit stuff. How the Republicans voted against? It. Yeah, because because they threw like another four hundred billion dollars of junk in there. It wasn't just uh, you know burn pits. It was like, oh, by the way, the Green New Deal. We're going to start throwing pieces of this in there. You know. What's funny, though, is now you're starting to see even the people that they thought – you can't win for losing here. They put themselves in such a position that everybody becomes your enemy. You know, and, and I was reading this the other day that now they're talking about energy companies are, are now fighting back against the administration uh, due to profits. They're losing profits because Florida just passed the bill that – now, this is genius. This is genius. Florida law now allows landlords – to sell cheap solar energy to its tenants, right? Now, I don't know all the ins and outs of it, but my assumption is 
I own an apartment complex or like, you know, Luke, you know, he's got several homes and, and what he does is as he, uh, he goes ahead and he builds a, uh, you know, uh, some, he gets some solar panels on top and some batteries and this and that. Um, and then he says, Hey, you know what you can pay and I'm making these numbers up, but you know, you can pay 35 cents a kilowatt hour or whatever from the city, or I can supply you X amount of kilowatt hours. You know what? I'll do it for 20 cents. And Luke collects that money because he owns the solar panels uh, for his, you know, for his slums. And well, I shouldn't say slums because I know they're, they're nicer than that. They're like nice high rises or whatever. But anyway, he owns those solar panels. He owns the equipment. So the city and the, and the energy companies don't get that back. Uh, so now they're fighting back against, you know, they're fighting back against the whole green energy thing. But that's part of the problem is there's so much pork. I mean, we've literally gone back another 10 years because there's so much pork and everything out there that dude, I, I hate to say it, but it's like inflation is just going to get worse, man. You know, it's funny because like with fuel prices, you look at, uh, you know, several months ago, well, the president doesn't control fuel prices. Okay. Well, you know, I get it. I, I get what they're trying to say and, and this and that, but you know, he does can have some input into supply, right? Obviously. Um, and he can control supply on the globe, you know, it's a global commodity or whatever. So at one instant he doesn't control instance, he doesn't control fuel prices. Then he tries to take credit when fuel prices drop one penny for pulling out of the strategic reserve. And now he's been doing like what a million barrels a day or whatever. And, and prices have dropped 30 or 40 cents. Uh, apparently where he's at, cause it hasn't dropped 30 or 40 cents where I'm at. Um, but so now they want to take credit for it again. Hey, I hate to tell you this gas is going back up because it's not dropping for the right reason, right? It's not dropping because there's an increase in supply or demand is leveling off. You know, there, there's a couple of different things. I mean, one, some folks, gas is so, so expensive now that they, they can't afford to drive. So they're not taking the vacations. And that's when you start to see the shrinkage of the GDP. This is how all this stuff is tied in together, right? You know, gas is so expensive. You're like, oh, we're winning. Gas prices coming down. Well, no, it's not really because we're meeting the demand. We're not meeting the demand. The demand just shrunk because people can't afford to drive. And when they can't afford to drive, they're not taking vacations. And when they don't take vacations, okay, that's how you end up one of the shrinkages to GDP. And talking about like trickle-down economics, and I'll throw it back over to, to Luke, you know, You'll have, and, and I'm, dude, I'm so sick and tired of hearing like Nobel Prize winning economists. Dude, I don't give two shits about any of those people because they didn't call inflation for two years when, when us three knuckle draggers sat here and like, dude, like, how do you not see this? How do you not just sit up there and listen to Powell and Yellen talk? I'm like, y'all are blind. I mean, you, you know, it, it's, it's, it's Stevie Wonder trying to lead, you know, Ray Charles across the street. I mean, it's like everybody has seen this stuff. It's just, it, it's amazing to me, but like it's the same thing with trickle down economics. You know, they said, well, tr you know, it's already been proven trickle down economics doesn't work. No, let me show you how trickle down economics works. Okay. On a very micro scale is like the more money I have in my pocket, especially with my kids, what do my kids do? If I have extra disposable income, I put them in Taekwondo. I put them in piano lessons. Uh, my, you know, my daughter plays soccer. Oh, by the way, we hire a, a, an Uber driver or whatever to take them to. So, so how many people are you employing in that whole thing there? Not only the equipment and all that other stuff that you're buying, you're going to the store and, and, and you're buying goods and services. Uh, but then you're also paying the salaries of those instructors. And then, you know, the lady that we had driving my son back and forth to Taekwondo, you know, her husband was like in the Navy. They needed a little bit of extra cheddar, this and that. So she was making like 20 bucks. Right. But that goes to help feed her family and, and, and pay her bills. Well, what happens when you tax the crap out of me or I don't necessarily have that disposable income left anymore? You know, the first thing that gets cut is Taekwondo. And guess what? If Taekwondo gets cut, I no longer need a driver. 
right? And so now you've taken money from that Taekwondo instructor, that facility, you've taken it from that other lake. That's how trickle-down economics actually works. You know, now you can obviously argue between a macro level and a micro level, but even on a macro level, it, it works. You know, the more comp- the more money that you give to a company, believe it or not, everybody's like, oh, big, bad, evil billionaires and this and that. It's like, guess what? Most folks, you know, they're healthcare company, healthcare through their company. And one of the things that we look at, you know, where I work at is like, hey, man, the more money that we have left over, the more that we can actually put back into the company and the employees. You know, but I know I get on a little rant there. I'll, I'll kick it back over to Luke, but it, it just, it pisses me off because, you know, all of this stuff is, is, is intertwined. Um, but they're just blind, man. I mean, they don't see it. So it just makes me wonder. It goes back to, you know, we've been arguing this for months. It's like, who's running? Like, come on, man. Powell and Janet yelling. Like, really? Like, really? You didn't see this? Right? Ooh, lot to unpack there. You, that was a really good uh, micro explanation of uh, trickle-down economics. And where the left or people who are extremely progressive get hung up on that argument is, well, wait a minute. If you're getting paid more, you're getting richer and richer. But the people behind you who are who are benefiting from you spending money on Taekwondo and, and you know, swim lessons or whatever, they're not getting as rich as you. That's basically that. That's one of their problems right. with trickle down economics. But, dude. It freaking makes sense. And anybody wants to come on the show and argue against trickle-down economics, I'd love to hear what they have to say. And so I got a couple of points. First of all, why is it why is it gotta be Taekwondo for you, Roger? Why can't it be like Brazilian jiu-jitsu or like Japanese karate? Why 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 is it gotta be uh, Korean Taekwondo? I mean, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just saying. <laughs> I don't think you can ask me that. I think Robin D'Angelo said that you can't ask me that. Second thing, you're right. Yeah. That's a good point. So, second thing, I, I gotta, I gotta do this. So, but you're, you're, you're as unique as a taco. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, y'all might have. Jesus, <laughs> so bad. Oh, so uh, earlier, you know, y'all might have heard. Uh, maybe Roger will edit out, but I hope he doesn't. Now, I'm trying to save him some work. Josh was uh, had his microphone off mute, and I'm sitting here watching him dig around his desk and just making all these noise and grunting. And I was just, I, I put the chat. I was like. I love it when Josh is digging around and grunting and Josh came back with, that's what she said. Love it, dude. Beautiful. Great comeback. (laughs) The burn pit bill, the burn pit bill that Roger mentioned, man, I am so sick of Jon Stewart. Dude, Jon Stewart wants to use the bully pulpit that he surrendered. What? 10 years ago, dude. Hey, John, why don't you do us all a favor and shut your mouth? Dude, I, I don't want to hear from him anymore. I definitely don't want John Stewart representing me as a veteran. And just shut up. You're you're out of your depth. You gave it up. You decided to be comfortable, and comfort is the killer. And now you're just a sad shell of what you used to be, which, in my opinion, wasn't much when he got into the politics. So I'm just I'm tired of him. The burn pit bill, Rogers, 100% correct. A lot of veterans get mad about that, and John Stewart's trying to whip them up into a frenzy, uh, but. There was a lot of stuff attached to that. Then John Stewart tried to clap back and say, no, it wasn't. It's like, dude, no, it was. Read the freaking bill. It's like, what, what are you trying to prove, John Stewart? I mean, whatever. Loves veterans. Kiss my ass. So, <laughs> and Roger also, you know, he's getting me worked up because he's making all these points. It's just like I'm redline. I'm redline. It's like, I don't know how many more, you know, RPMs I can take here. So, you know, we're supposed to list to these experts. You know, you mentioned Yellen and Powell, and 
it's one of the problems. And again, we've, we've, we've said it's just like COVID, which we'll talk about in just a second. It's just like COVID. It's like we have in, we have vested and I, by we, I mean the American people and not necessarily us, but the American people as we have, have vested so much trust into the experts who were educated at Harvard, Oxford, Cambridge, you know, uh, MIT, all this stuff. But one thing that we have gotten away from is the collective mind of capitalism. Okay, we are the collective of capitalism will solve these problems. It's not a group of elite educated people who have never lived uh, on Main Street who are going to solve these problems. All they know is theory. We saw that during COVID. We see it now. Janet Yellen, like Roger said, couldn't couldn't predict inflation when she first came in after Biden appointed her. Jerome Powell is whatever. The Fed is a, a whole different conversation. But you take the collective of communism. We all know what's going on. A lot of people sensed it going on. We sensed it. You remember when I came back from Europe that one time? I was like, is it just me, guys, or are prices higher? I mean, I went to a, a restaurant and I was like, guys, what's going on? And you guys, yeah, it, it, it seems to be creeping up a little bit. And I was like, I know I'm not crazy. But meanwhile, nobody's, nobody's concerned about inflation. So, yep. And Roger got me Roger got me worked up, man. Uh, and, and last point, uh, Roger said, they're not really slums. The places Luke owns, trust me, folks, Roger's being nice. They're slums. <laughs> they're slums. Okay. Let's just get that out there right now. So, Josh, uh, from an unvaccinated person which you are. I'd like to get your thoughts on, because uh, Joe, I, what's that? You just called him out. Well, I thought he made that public. Well, you can edit that out. Josh, as a, uh, <laughs> but he as gives a person, as a Good person job. who doesn't necessarily believe in the efficacy of uh, vaccines, uh, the COVID vaccine, not, not vaccines in general. You're not an anti-vaxxer. It's just like you question the COVID vaccine, just like you're not going to buy the first model of a car that comes out, right? I believe that Biden is at least triple vaxxed. He's had his two series and his booster. I know that for sure. And he pro he might have had his fourth. I'm not sure. As we all know, Joe Biden uh, tested positive for COVID. And again, dude, I do not like Joe, Joe Biden, but he is my president. I wish him health. I really do. Uh, I don't I don't wish the president ill health. So speedy recovery to Joe Biden. He tested negative, and now he's positive again. So, Josh, what happened? Did he get infected twice? I mean, what happened there? And how come the vaccine didn't protect him, bro? I mean, what's going on? Well, for starters, it's not a vaccine. It's not Ooh, a It's a therapeutic. Exactly. Right. So, yeah. So, you know, I mean, I'm all, I'm all for vaccines that – you know, have some that, that have actually gone through, you know, all the testing. And I'm not talking about rushing, you know, rushing them through. Uh, I'm talking about, you know, vaccines that underwent decades of testing. Uh, you know, parts of so take a look at, you know, yeah, when, you know, our kids were, you know, were younger. And it's like, hey, man, you got to get your, you know, your measles, mumps and rubella and, you know, polio and all that stuff. Like, absolutely. Yes. I, you know, fully support. But when you turn around and you come back with, Hey, here's a vaccine that we just basically from, you know, from, from cradle to grave, uh, you know, cobbled together in less than a year. And we want to inject this into you. Well, I've got some questions, right? 
I, I've got some questions and you and the government can't fault people for, you know, not trusting them and having some questions because I don't know. Let's go back in history, right? Let's pick up a history book. Let's read about the Tuskegee experiment. Let's read about all these different experiments, you know, that the government has done both overtly and, you know, covertly uh, on, on American citizens with, you know, with different drugs and effects of different things. And, you know, and then you want me to, you know, just blindly inject this, um, you know, in, into my body. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, like Randy Jackson said, you know, on, uh, on American, I would be like, that's, that's a no from me, dog. Um, you know, that's just, but it's, yeah, again, it's not a vaccine. It's a therapeutic, uh, Joe Biden. Yes. You know, everybody remembers when he, he got his, you know, his quote, you know, his, his first shot on, uh, in, in the mock-up of the oval office, uh, because he actually doesn't work out the oval office. He works out that stupid mock-up that they have. And the nurse, you know, it looks like he, he basically, I think he got ejected with some saline, uh, on that one. I don't think that was, a, I don't think he actually got it. Um, but it comes down to a couple of things. It, but they they don't want to admit this is okay. So either the vaccines don't work, which we kind of know that now, right? Um, again, you people should be questioning this. If you took your dogs to get a rabies vaccination and they got three rabies shots and they still wound up with rabies, you'd probably ask your vet some questions. You probably like, hey man. Yeah, but you probably yeah you probably come back and be like, hey man, I like I have some questions for you. Um, or when he tested negative after you know he tested positive, that was a false. It, it just you know they they missed that one, um, and for whatever reason that test didn't didn't register. Um, but I, I I find personally I find it hard for hard to believe that he tested positive, then tested negative. And then tested positive again in such a short time. I find it very hard to believe that he got it twice. Um, I don't the, think he ever recovered the first time. It's the Rona rebound from uh, Paxlovid. That's, that's yeah. actually a thing. Yeah, it, it, it has to be that. And so I'll use this. Um, so you know, so my uh, my father in law, uh, you know, tested positive for COVID here. You know, not too long ago, and you know he was, you know, he went through it. You know, no no issues. Uh, you know, other than, you know, he was, you know, low energy and stuff, but other than that, and then he tested negative and it was like, okay, good. And then like, you know, a couple days later he was like, man, I feel, I feel the same and went back and he tested and he tested positive. Um, again, fully vaccinated and you know, it's just, it goes, it goes back to, it's not, it's not a vaccine. It was a therapeutic. It always was. It was never a vaccine. And, you know, I don't know that that might get us shut down. Um, if we're lucky. Could, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was going to kick it to Luke, but Luke got up and walked away. Um, no, but I think you're I spot on, though, about. right? Because it, it, I think it changes the dialogue. It, it changes the whole perspective. So, you know, you went because remember before when you had Kamala, you know, I will not take the drug. If you come out. And, and I don't have a problem with the emergency use authorization because I think there is an older population that is vulnerable at the time. Now we're talking about the first, you know, the original COVID, right? Like I don't have a problem with this stuff coming out and saying, you know, even with the first one that, hey, this is a vaccine because it, it truly was a vaccine for the first version of COVID. Uh, where we're at now, it does nothing. But it, it has become since Delta, 
a therapeutic. So educate the public and sell them on that, right? And this is my problem because, you know, I got into a little flaming war on, on Facebook with, with a couple of folks back and forth because here's what pisses me off about the Arizona Department of Health. There have been so many studies out there, right, that have, that have happened since, uh, since COVID's come about. The efficacy of masks, uh, the vaccine, you know, side effects. There are, there are dozens and dozens and dozens of peer-reviewed studies. Here's what bothers me, as opposed to regurgitating what the CDC puts out, because if you go to the CDC's own page and look at the references, like you can't find them. Like I want to read the study, right? Uh, you find very few studies on there, and, and I've dug pretty deep. Uh, not lately, so maybe some stuff has changed. But you know, I was going, I was like, I want to read this stuff myself. But why doesn't like our State Department of Health? And this is what pisses me off about Arizona. I don't know if it's different where you're at, but hey, guys, gals, why don't you peer review some of these studies here and put out some information on your web page, on your Facebook, as opposed to just giving me the CDC.damn.gov or org or whatever the hell it is link right? Hey, my, my problem with all of this, and it's the same thing with, with inflation and the economy and everything else, is have the dialogue. Like, I'm not saying I can't be convinced, but the more that you sh- you know, you shy away from that conversation, it tells me you don't believe in what you're putting out and you have no confidence in it. Uh, I have no issues with them saying, you know what, you're right. Here are four studies that, that listed, you know, you had the one in Israel talking about, you know, the young boys and this and that and, you know, uh, myocarditis and, and, and yada, yada, yada. So you've got a lot of stuff out there. It's like, hey, why don't you address those? Because what will happen is when you have folks like us that I don't think we're conspiracy theorists, uh, we're starting to sound like it, but we're starting to sound like it because they won't address any of those things. Tell me where I'm wrong. Tell me where the study is wrong. Okay, it's just like with the old voter fraud and this and that. You know, you hate to be a conspiracy theorist on that stuff, but you know, with the two thousand mules, tell me where that's wrong. Tell me where that's inaccurate. Uh, when you look at Pennsylvania and the and the Supreme Court, the state Supreme Court saying, "Hey, uh, we're we, we're going to extend the voting hours." Okay, tell me, like, how is that right? How is that not changing the outcome or, or influencing the elections? When you have twenty seven thousand votes here in Maricopa County that were counted by the recorder that this thing has just disappeared out here now, right? When you have 27,000 votes that just, boom, we counted them. Oh yeah, they weren't really validated by the third party, uh, you know, uh, validator that we're sp- that, that every other vote is supposed to go through. And that just happens to, to come in at the end. Like nobody addresses any of that stuff. Tell me how, like, how is that not a conspiracy? How you know even the even the 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 publication that came out was like, hey, she could actually do some jail time. You know what's happened? That thing has been squashed like a cockroach, not one blip. And that's how these conspiracy theories come up is because they won't address them, and it's because they don't believe in them. Because if they believed in them, I, I'd be the first person. And we've talked about this a, a thousand times. You know, hey, you believe in a man, you're looking for airtime, right? That is one thing with with President Trump. You know, that dude took some airtime. Uh, right, wrong, and different, whether you liked it, didn't like it, whatever. He believed in what he was doing, and he would get out there himself and talk about it. And maybe he didn't like what he had to say and, and, and whatever, but he at least addressed it. And that's uh, you know, that's my problem with this whole thing. Luke, uh, we're getting towards the end, so I'll give you a minute. To, well, you can take as long as you want. Talk about that. But I do want to throw one other thing out there. Uh, so Hunter Biden, he's back in the news, Right. I have a theory about this because now they're talking about the big guy, which we all know is Joe, met with at least 14 of Hunter's business partners. Uh, now you've got FBI whistleblowers saying that the FBI squashed all this info. I, I believe that the deep state, okay, because we talk about this all the time, I believe the deep state 
of the Democrats are one, obviously trying to keep Trump from running in 2024, right? January 6th committee, yada, yada, yada. That's what it is. You just build up enough trash that, that Trump just can't possibly run. And, and I think there's a, there's a mistake there because I don't think Trump's running anyway. And I think you end up spending all your time and resources on that, uh, which nothing that you're going to do is going to change his mind one way or another. And you might miss uh, DeSantis actually running and, and winning this whole thing. Um, but I think the Dems are doing that. But I think the Dems are leaking the Hunter Biden info because, dude, there's been 10 times the reporting in the last week that you're leaking it to keep Joe from running in 2024. What do you think? Well, I think I definitely think you could be right on that one. Um, I hope you're right. Well, no, I don't know. I don't hope you're right. I hope you're wrong. I hope that this is just coming out. I hope it's not, uh, you know, orchestrated to, you know, do some weird political machinations that would... Uh, I don't like thinking about that. I'd like to think that, you know, the media is doing its job and, you know, it's, it's doing its due diligence, which we say, you know, ah, yeah, Josh is laughing. I would like to think that, but apparently that's not the case. So it would, it would not surprise me if, uh, if that's what's going on. Uh, Roger is, uh, an expert at triggering me tonight. And I think it's because I put out that post the other day about that black rifle coffee. So Roger spent like the rest of the week <laughs> figuring out what he could say that's going to trigger me and make me all emotional, upset. And, you know, with Trump, I believe there was a level of transparency there, whether that was a personality flaw or whatever. It's like when he turned, uh, and I'm not going to be racist like Josh, uh, when he turned Suleimani into uh, uh, red pepper hummus in that vehicle, <laughs> not salsa, stop trying to appropriate. It was very clear why he did it because he came out and said it. When he dropped that Moab in Afghanistan, it was very clear because he came out and said it. When he did this, I mean, he came out and said it. The guy had no brain mouth barrier. So there was some transparency in there. And, uh, you know, uh, people accused him of being a child and being this and that. Well, now the shoe's on the other foot. People always like to say, the adults are back in the house. The adults are back in charge. What is that supposed to mean? Does that mean I'm a child and I got to have the adults hide bitter truths from me? Is that what that means? Because that's kind of what it seems like. When the establishment gets back in control, it's like, well, the adults are back in the room. So you children can go back and the adults will just take care of you. Man, F you. If it takes a, uh, if it takes a childish president to be, tra- you know, to be a little bit transparent, I'll take that president because at least then we're both children and you're not talking down to me. Like there's these elite adults that are going to control my life and whatnot, man. I'll tell you what, yeah. boy, Roger, he triggered me in so many ways. Got so many notes here, but we're coming, we're coming up toward the end. You know, one of the things I like Josh and I, I'll, I, I will, this will be my, my, my closing out. So I hope Roger comes back to the mic after his little leaky leak. Hopefully he's not doing the big job. Uh, I, know, I know. I know. He's laughing as he as he's listening to that. <laughs> but big, pop. you know, I, all this stuff with with COVID and everything. I was just like, you know, it brings me back to the monkeypox. I think that's a failed. I think that was a failed experiment to try to get us all uh, worked up about it. Because I, I, as this goes on, it's just blowing up in the media's face. Whoever tried to push this monkeypox thing, because there are eerie echoes of the 1980s and 1990s AIDS epidemic. And we can't go back to that. But at the same time, nobody wants to talk about it. But at the same time, they want to say it's a thing. But how do you get it? There's just a lot of questions being asked. And we all know it's not necessarily an STD, but it's spread by close sexual contact. And it's spreading, you know, disproportionately within the homosexual community, homosexual male community. 
And no one wants to really touch that. But it's like that truth that's right there in front of everyone's face. It's like we live through AIDS. We saw this. You know, can you get it other ways? Yes, absolutely you can. But it's just, it's very interesting to watch. It's an interesting case study. But what I found hilarious was Tucker Carlson put out a poll and it was like either a Twitter poll or something. I didn't vote and I don't do that, that stupid stuff where they're going to call monkeypox a certain name. They gave a list of like four different choices. And if folks out there haven't seen this yet, the choice that was selected was schlong COVID. And this is on Fox News. I was like, this is prime time. It was like, man, bro, you are really pushing the envelope on that. Man. So, so yeah, Roger wins the Trigger Luke uh, award for the day. Uh, appreciate everyone listening. Uh, Darren and a couple others asked us to cover a, uh, a couple of topics, and we covered two of them. But what another thing Darren wanted us to cover, Josh, was for – and you won't be able to do it, so don't even try. He wanted to us to cover – why is it necessary for you, Josh, to own an AR-15 with a 100-round uh, drum? Uh, how, so don't even try. He was throwing that out there to, to get your goat. But anyway, so thanks, Darren, for listening. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We appreciate y'all uh, hanging with me and Josh through the last episode of us, giving our crappy uh, social media and culture and music takes. Yeah, so we'll, we'll we'll shelve that one for the uh, for the next episode or whenever Luke re- you know really wants to reveal to the audience how anti two A uh, he is. <laughs> um, <laughs> so real quick uh, shout outs. Uh, hey Kevin down in uh, down in Tampa. Hey, we really appreciate you listening. Uh, we're glad that uh, we're glad to hear that your family in uh, in Eastern Kentucky is uh, is doing okay and. Uh, we're going to try and get the uh, get the good word out, you know, about what's going on, um, so folks can you know can help out. Uh, Bruce in North Carolina, really appreciate you. Uh, really appreciate you listening, man. Um, and uh, again, Brandon out in uh, out in Kansas, thanks for listening, brother. Uh, shout out to uh, Camille in Georgia. Uh, you know, thanks for thanks for watching and uh, and bearing with us. And then shout out to uh, to my dad, uh, who is. Uh, spending the weekend getting caught up on uh, on our YouTube uh, channel. He uh, he doesn't like to listen to the podcast. He's like, I like to see you guys, um, you know. And uh, he uh, he 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 wants to meet you guys in person one day. Um, yeah, he uh, he loves you guys. He probably he, I think he likes you guys better than he likes me. Um, I don't blame him. I don't blame him a bit. <laughs> so I think I may, I may, I may have finally talked my mom into uh, into listening uh, to to at least one of our episodes. Um, I told her don't listen to the earlier ones. I would say I tried to give her one. You know that there's no bad language, but you know we can't get through five minutes of an episode without Roger dropping multiple f bombs these days. So <laughs> sorry, mom. At least it's not me. Um, just don't listen to the earlier episodes. <laughs> so that'll do it. Uh, that'll do it for me. I'll throw it over to uh, Roger and he can, he can close this out. God, y'all are so bad at your jobs. Cause Roger, his last message was you or Josh can close it out. I guess that makes but, him good at his job. And I was just like, I didn't even but, see it. I kicked it. No, Josh, that was, Josh nah, do dude. it. <laughs> Roger, not nah, Roger. Didn't think that he thought that big potty was going to take longer than it did. <laughs> Whatever, man. <laughs>
whatever. And, and Josh's mom, all I got to say is that he actually sends me text saying, hey, can you edit out my F-bomb so I don't disappoint my mom and dad? So <laughs> I, I leave mine in there because I am pure. This is what you get. Uh, I leave Luke's in there uh, with Josh. I, I edit his out. I was going to leave that out of the story, but uh, you know that's the deal. I actually felt a little inadequate, man, because you guys are like, man, you guys bring it. You're giving shout outs to like all these listeners and everything. Like, dude, I came and shout out like my own family for listening to C3 because they don't. So I feel kind of bad. Maybe I got to up my game a little bit, but, uh, yeah, I definitely don't want to forget Carlton Zeus. Hey, Carlton, I am not like Josh. Um, I will actually not screw you. Uh, I will add your intro music back to our podcast because I do appreciate you as an artist and I appreciate your music and the fact that you let us use this thing for free. Uh, which, you know, I, I actually don't know that he lets us use this for free. Luke just told us this. Uh, so, I, you know, I'm assuming that he lets us use this thing for free. I, a part of me thinks Luke just is like, oh, yeah, man, we're good. Just go ahead and use it. So If we, we, ever, make money, <laughs> if we ever make money, we're screwed. Well, what we need him to do is to actually sue us. Oh, because if he yeah. would sue us, he could be, you. He could be... He could be the yes. Toby Keith to our yes. Carlton Zeus. Yes, there, there you go. go. There's there no such go. thing as bad. No such thing as bad press. Yep, that's right. So maybe that's uh, maybe we'll push that forward. But uh, anyway, again, just thanks to everybody out there listening. Thanks to everybody out there watching. Um, you know, I think we're going to have some like a little mini series coming up uh, with Josh. Uh, kind of let us, you know, because they had the COVID thing, right? And so they were doing like, what, what was the guy on on CNN who got fired? But uh, Cuomo or whatever, you know, he was doing the little you know, minute snippet every day or whatever, maybe with uh, Josh and his monkeypox vaccine, he can kind of give us a little minute snippet every day to see how he's doing. But uh, <laughs> thanks. <to> every- <laughs> thanks to everybody out there watching. Thanks to everybody out there listening. Thanks again to Carlton Zeus. Keep your canteen cups tightly secured and full of some good whiskey.